what they've all told me, and also my own work on NDE research, was um, what they're told, it's not important what religion you are. It's not important how much money you have. It's not important how famous you are, etc., etc., etc. The most important concept that you need to master once you're back here is the ability to learn how to love. But yet, that's the most difficult task for mankind. Yeah. It sounds very, very simple. And all of the major uh, religious backgrounds have that as their foundation, at least in, in theory. Welcome to Living 4D with Paul Check. Today's guest is Rainerio Hernandez. Ray was a PhD candidate at the University of California at Berkeley, where he was the recipient of a National Science Foundation PhD fellowship. He is currently the director of the Consciousness and Contact Research Institute, or CCRI, an academic research institute comprised of more than 25 PhD academics, medical doctors, and researchers whose mission is to explore the findings of consciousness research and the phenomenology of paranormal experiences, what the CCRI calls the contact modalities. In 2018, Ray and a team of retired PhD academics published Beyond UFOs, The Science of Consciousness and Contact with Non-Human Intelligence, which was the world's first and only comprehensive worldwide academic statistical research study on UFO contact experiences. Ray has recently published a four-volume book set titled A Greater Reality, The New Paradigm of Non-Local Consciousness, The Paranormal, and the Contact Modalities. His most recent book is The Mind of God, a spiritual virtual reality model of consciousness and the contact modalities. If you enjoyed today's episode, please consider leaving us a five-star rating and a warm review on the podcast platform of your choice. Your opinions matter and your ratings help us to grow and help more people to be healthy, find freedom of body and mind, and to live their dreams. A big thank you to our sponsors by Optimizers, Paleo Valley, Organifi, and our newest sponsors, Ned and Wild Pastures. Their support is essential in producing this podcast, and we hope you will show your support by visiting them online and trying all the amazing products they produce. And now over to Paul and Ray as they talk about Evolve or Perish, You Choose. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Living 4D. Today, our title is Evolve or perish, you choose with Ray Hernandez. I found Ray Hernandez on one of my favorite channels, which I've been following for many, many years, which is the new Thinking Aloud with Jeffrey Mishlov. I've been studying Jeffrey Mishlov's videos for as long as they've been out. I have hundreds of them. And I came across the interview or an interview with Ray Hernandez, and I absolutely loved it. I found Ray's uh, what he shared to be very logical based on his own experience and a lot of knowledge. So, Ray, uh, thank you for being here with me today. Well, thank you, Paul. Thank you for the invitation. You know, uh, I'll just let everybody know, uh, Penny may have shared it already, but Ray, Ray has three excellent books, The Mind of God, A Spiritual Virtual Reality Model of Consciousness and Contact Modalities, and then a two-volume set called A Greater Reality, The New Paradigm of Non-Local Consciousness, The Paranormal, and The Contact Modalities, Volume 1 and 2. Each of these books, by the way, is quite large. Ray, what are they, about 700 pages each? One is uh, close to 820, and the other one is about 800 pages. 
and the mind of God is the introduction to both uh, the two-volume set, and because uh, a lot of people are not going to read 1,600 pages, so I published that, uh, that introductory article as a book, as a separate book, and that is 200 pages. And it's, it's light reading, it's meant for the layperson. However, the two-volume book series uh, can be complicated uh, uh, in some of the articles. Um, and then there was the first book, which was on UFOs. Uh, that was uh, co-edited by uh, two other academic professors, and Edgar Mitchell uh, passed away before uh, we were able to, uh, while we were uh, writing the uh, the research findings for our book, and that's 820 pages. And uh, the title of that book is Beyond UFOs, The Science of Consciousness and Contact with Non-Human Intelligence. And that was published in 2018. All of the other uh, three books that you mentioned, actually four books, um, were uh, just published uh, about four or five months ago. Right. Okay. I'll have to get a hold of the, the one you just mentioned there because I wasn't aware of that one. I do have volume one and two in the mind of God, all of which I've looked through quite a lot and used in my research for my new book series that I'm writing. And I found the information, everything I read, I thought was excellent quality and, and very much in line with my own experiences in life and all these areas and my own research and studies. So uh, I just think it's important for all of you to know that if you want to really get into some seriously deep honest look at all of the issues of consciousness, God, mind, soul, spirit, dimensions, uh, evolution, UFOs, uh, intelligences of different types. I mean, Ray's books are jacked up. It's the real deal. Um, you know, Ray, we, you know, in our dialogue back and forth by email, you know, there was so much in your books that I could do, like I said, a thousand podcasts with you, which I would love to just do lots of podcasts with you because you have such rich material on things that I think are really important. But as I said, I asked my soul, like, okay, what do you want me to talk to Ray about right now that's important to talk about relative to what's going on in the world? And my soul directed me right to the beginning of the mind of God on page one. And I thought, First, I thought that was you writing that, but then I saw either a footnote or something somewhere below on the page saying that was a quote by Edgar Mitchell. But at the same time, I know from looking through your books that you too have plenty of knowledge and, and, and opinions and information about what he was saying. So I really am grateful that you agreed to use that as the basis because my goal today is to really take advantage of your knowledge, your life experience and put some meat and potatoes behind what Edgar Mitchell said. I think it's important coming from someone as famous as Edgar Mitchell, an astronaut, someone who devoted his life and money to studying consciousness. And I actually attended a, a conference where he was the keynote speaker in, I believe, 2000 in London, the field conference with Lynn McTaggart. And there was a uh, remote viewing contest. Uh, it was actually a remote viewing course with the CIA's director of remote viewing. And they had a contest there and I won the contest, which was really quite cool. So I, I got to meet Edgar Mitchell there. Um, Ray, you have such a vast knowledge and life experience. Uh, and I, you know, listening to you dialogue with Jeffrey Mishlove and then studying your books made me really curious about the formative forces that produces a man like you. So I'd love it 
because I have had a chance to look into your books and listen to you in interviews, um, but the listeners are probably going to be unfamiliar with you. So could you start today by just sharing more about your developmental background and what led you so deeply into consciousness studies, what shaped your worldview, your spiritual perspectives, and what your beliefs are about the nature of reality? So however you want to unpack that, I, I, I would personally love to know more about Ray myself. <laughs> well, in order to go in-depth into that, to responding to, to those series of questions, uh, we would be here all night. But um, what, what I'll be doing, I'll try to give you a two-minute a two uh, summary. Um, uh, first of all, I have an academic background. Uh, for those that live in California, people will recognize the University of California, Berkeley. Right. I went there for a PhD uh, in urban planning. Um, uh, before that, I had gone to Cornell for a master's degree. And um, so basically the last eight years of my life, I've had straight A's. Um, <laughs> and I was... Uh, I, I was basically uh, an academic, and um, right before, while I was writing my dissertation, my ex-wife got a brain, brain aneurysm, <clears throat> and um, which uh, led her to become disabled. And I had to quit writing my dissertation and take two full-time jobs because now I had five mouths to feed. Wow. Um, and so uh, I was never able to finish the dissertation, but I had done my goodness, uh, five years of, uh, of graduate work um, and, and all the requirements for a PhD except the actual finishing the dissertation. And so um, I was uh, always an academic at heart and mind. And then later on, I went to law school um, and I became um, uh, an attorney for the U.S. Department of Treasury, uh, uh, a tax attorney, which is the most boring uh, work uh, in the world, <laughs> you can imagine. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so fast forward, you know, 25 years later, uh, this was um, in 2012, uh, March of 2012. I was a total atheist. I had zero interest in any topics relating to consciousness, uh, the contact modalities, which I'll be defining later on, anything related to the paranormal. Uh, I thought that everyone involved in these topics were, were kooks. <laughs> and so um, on that day, um, I had my first of uh, four years worth of paranormal experiences uh, that were pretty much nonstop. Wow. And it all started with um, an energy being, uh, being, energy being that appeared in my living room. Wow. Um, uh, and that was five feet away from me. And, um, and that uh, being came because my wife had been praying all night. Uh, for an angelic intervention uh, for our 15-year-old dog who was totally paralyzed. And so she had just come from a Catholic retreat where all she did was pray. So when I told her what had just happened, that I already talked to our vet, and the vet was going to be euthanizing her tomorrow, she obviously became you know, very uh, traumatized by it. And she just continued what she was doing in the retreat, was to pray all night. And me, as a good atheist, I said, do all the praying you want. Tomorrow we're going to put her to sleep. And so the next morning we woke up, the dog was still paralyzed. She went to carry the dog downstairs to see if she can go to the bathroom. And I w went back to bed. And then all of a sudden I hear her screaming, screaming, Ray, Ray, Ray. And I was like, holy crap, you know, 6.30 in the morning, 6 o'clock in the morning, wake me up. And so she finally went upstairs and hauled me out of bed physically, grabbed me. And she wouldn't tell me what it was. She said, you need to see this. You need to see this. I said, what is it? You need to see it. She wouldn't tell me what it was. 
Then so we're going down the stairs. And she was very quickly going down the stairs. So I followed her. And then what I'm about to tell you happened instantaneously, super quick, okay? Uh, less time than what I'm about to tell you. All of a sudden, she disappears in front of me. The dog disappears in front of me. I had tunnel vision. I could only see like what was directly right in front of me. Everything all around was all dark, okay? And it was focused into this energy being. And let me describe it to you. It was uh, not humanoid in, uh, in, in its shape. It was, um, I mean, it was like two and a half feet wide by a foot and a half in, in width, floating four feet from the ground. It had numerous colors, um, like, a, like a plasma energy field, except it was tons of colors. It was semi-transparent. I could see the sofa behind it and the wall behind it. And then the most important part was that this intelligence totally controlled my consciousness, okay? Totally controlled it. I didn't care that my wife disappeared, the dog disappeared. I didn't care that I was watching this being in front of me. I then looked at it, squinted my eyes, and then I waved my hand, and I said, oh, this is bullshit. This is what you got me up for, for this junk, you know? I'm going back to sleep. <laughs> so I turned around, walked up the stairs, put my hands on my chest like this, and boom, I was knocked out. An hour later, when I woke up, and I know it was an hour because when I ran downstairs, I looked at the clock, and it was 7 o'clock. So an hour later, when I woke up, I was now fully conscious. It was like I was put into a spell. So I ran down the stairs, and all of a sudden, my wife reappears. She looks down. The dog is running around the entire living room, fully healed. And my wife is saying, hallelujah, hallelujah, the angels cured her, the angels cured her. And to me, it was like an atom bomb blew up in my brain. It was like, it was like my whole world was shattered. And then I asked her, you know, after I composed myself, where were you? Look at the time. It's 7 o'clock. You know, you disappeared in front of me at 6 o'clock. She goes, I didn't go anywhere. And it wasn't until six months later I found out because my wife began praying at night and these huge UFOs would appear. And so we finally called this organization called MUFON that investigates UFO uh, cases. And then the lady was a retired school teacher. Her husband was a retired scientist at the National Hurricane Center here in Miami. So she said, what your wife had is, is called missing time. And then she explained a little bit about it. I had no idea what this was, you know. And so, uh, but my wife, she swears to this day that, you know, she didn't go anywhere, you know. Yeah. But I but I know she was gone for for an hour. And so anyway, um, I, I told her, where were you? Where were you? She says, I didn't go anywhere. What are you talking about? I didn't go anywhere. I said, yes, you did. Look at the time. And so then later on, she described what she saw. She saw something different. She saw more of a physical object, like an upside down you. Okay, the letter U, but it was a physical object, and it was silverish in color, and was phasing in and out of reality, and and she even uh, called it a, um, a una nave. Nave in Spanish means like a craft. It was like a little craft, and and that's that's what her words, not mine. And so I had no idea that this was UFO related. I thought it was paranormal related. So I drew what I saw. She said, no, "I didn't see that," you know. And I said, when did you see that? I said, when you were gone. You know, so it was just a disjointed conversation because um, she was taken outside of space time. My, my consciousness was totally controlled. Uh, there was an hour gap there. Who knows? Maybe she, she was there, but I didn't see her because I had that tunnel vision and my mind was completely controlled. And, um, and so anyway, after that, my wife would pray at night and uh, these huge UFOs would appear. Uh, one time she uh, she described to me, 
And then she drew it out, and, and she drew out the Goodyear blimp with colors on the edges, okay? And said, oh, my angels came and visited me last night. They came in a beautiful angelic craft. It has stained glass windows in it, just like our church, you know? <laughs> still to this day, she sees everything from the Catholic lens, you know? Yeah. Uh, and which eventually led to our divorce, you know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Oops. Uh, right, right now we're going through that, you know. And uh, but but anyway, it's because there's two different worldviews, you know. Yeah. I'm I'm looking at it from an academic, intellectual perspective, and she is from a pure, purely religious perspective. And what I'm doing is like sacrilegious stuff, you know, uh, to her. Right. So. Um, and so, um, but anyway, getting back to the initial story, she drew it out, what she saw, and it looked like a Goodyear blimp with like rainbow colors on the edges. Um, and so I said, what you saw was a UFO. She says, no, it wasn't. You know, it was my angels. And because you're an atheist, you wouldn't understand, you know. Yeah. And so um, she, then, you know, stories, I would hear stories of her relatives. When she went to Mexico, she was there a whole month. And it was all these UFOs that they had seen with her. And then... Um, um, and then later on, six months after that initial experience, I was waiting for a friend of mine to, um, uh, to come, uh, 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 give me his parking tickets. I was going to do a motion to consolidate. It was a favor for a friend. And so, uh, he finally comes by, Ray, I got the parking tickets. He said, where are you at? He says, I'm real close by. Okay. I'll wait for you outside. So I'm waiting for him and he doesn't show up and he doesn't show up. And so all of a sudden I remembered that the day before I'd watched the video of this guy named Prophet Yahweh, where he would be talking to this intelligence and this UFO would appear in the middle of the daylight and he had a camcorder. It was like a little tiny speck, you know, that would appear in the sky. And I remembered that my wife had been calling down all these UFOs. And so to me, it was like killing time. Oh, oh, what the hell? Let's give it a try, you know? And in the very beginning, I wasn't sincere at all. But after 15 minutes, I was like, super sincere. I want to give them my thanks, my love for healing our dog, who's like a relative, was my my first daughter, you know. Yeah. And um, and so uh, towards the end, it was very, very emotional, very, very sincere, showing a lot of love. And then after 15 minutes, I said to myself, what a freaking asshole. Here I am calling down a UFO. I'm going crazy. I need to stop this stuff because I'm going down the rabbit hole, you know. Yeah. And as soon as I had that thought, Right on top of my next door neighbor's house was this huge object the size of a small football stadium. Okay? Wow. Less, less than 30 feet away from me. Okay. And uh, I won't give you all the details, but basically um, uh, I heard my daughter's voice. I never heard a telepathic communication before. So I thought that my daughter was next to me. So I turned around. I'm looking for her. She wasn't there, but it was my daughter's voice giving me instructions saying, Daddy, you and Mommy have seen UFOs. Next time you see one, you call me daddy. Don't forget. Don't forget. I never said that to that to my daughter. I never mentioned these things to her. My wife never mentioned these things to her. What, what I realized later on was that this intelligence has the ability to upload your memory banks, your Akashic records, whatever, to extract that information and then to break it into a conversation and then download it back to you. Okay. It's like, it's like the Akashic records. Someone goes into the whole history of Ray Hernandez as being stored somewhere, you know, brings down what they want, reprograms it, and sends it back, okay? Then all of a sudden, my, in my mind, I was like, my daughter wants to see this. My daughter wants to see this. So I'm running out, and I'm yelling at her to come out, so she comes out. And I'll skip those conversations that my daughter and I had. She was looking at it 30 feet away. I could have gotten a rock and hit the bottom of this object. 
And it was like 100 meters, a football field uh, tall uh, by 100 meters, uh, 600 meters in depth. Very, very detailed what we were watching. It wasn't physical. It was hundreds and hundreds of oblong streaks of light that formed like the whole shell of an object. And inside was all this white plasma swirling around and it was transparent. Okay, you mm. can see the clouds. It was a totally cloudy uh, night, so you can see the clouds behind it. And then all of a sudden, my friend comes with his wife and their 17-year-old daughter. So they leave the car right in the middle of the cul-de-sac and they run to us. They're, Ray, what the hell is that? I said, you know damn well what it is. And he goes, uh, it can't be, it can't be. So then he and his wife begin to try to explain it away, okay? For after like two minutes of listening to those crazy cockamamie explanations, I busted out laughing, Okay. Because I didn't tell them that I called it down. And they didn't know of any. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Minor detail. <laughs> yeah. Too, too much of a sensory overload for them, you know. <laughs> and I didn't tell them all of the paranormal stuff that's going on with my wife and I, right? Yeah. And, um, and so what I, again, I communicated with this intelligence. And, I, and uh, can I cuss here? I can say a little cuss word here and there. Yeah, you swear whatever. Say whatever you want. Speak from okay. your heart. Because I want to tell you exactly what I what I thought, okay? Yeah, no, I'm, this, I'm, I'm all, all about the real deal, baby. Okay, this is what I said verbatim. I, I communicated with my mind, not, you know, with my, with, with my lips, okay? With my mind, I said, you better come up with some better bullshit than this because my friends don't believe you. <laughs> it, okay? Instantaneously, what I was watching totally disappeared and immediately replaced by a totally different object. Now it wasn't now it wasn't these oblong streaks of light that was huge, okay? Now it was much, much more lower to the ground, much more concentrated, and it was these huge orbs. Uh, I would say the size is like half of a Volkswagen uh, uh, car, the size of it. And they were all blinking on and off like this. We're, talk we're talking about like 50 to 100 of them like this, on and off, on and off, blinking off. And then they would take turns powering up to like the size of the moon. You know how the moon sometimes gets... Uh, uh, um, super large, they would be going like this, and then they would go down, and then they would continue blinking on and off. And then another one would do the same thing, okay? And that was throughout the whole area. Um, and, and then my friends, all of a sudden, they stopped trying to explain away, because this was not anything close to man-made, okay? Yeah. And then, after like 10 minutes later, they said, all right, we got to go. You know, we have work, uh, we own our businesses, we got work to do. I said, oh, don't worry, I'll do that motion to consolidate, I'll talk to you later. <laughs> and logically, you would have thought and told them, what are you, freaking crazy, man? You're watching a once-in-a-lifetime experience and you got to go? Yeah. You, gotta, you, you know, it's like, you know, it doesn't make sense, you know? No, But yeah. what I realized later was that this intelligence conveyed to them, look, you, we gave him a witness so he wouldn't think that he was crazy, you know. Yeah. We gave him his daughter, so he's got a family re a relative to witness it. He has other uh, people that witnessed it as well, so it's not like I'm going crazy, okay. All five of us can't be going crazy at the same time, okay. No. So, okay, your job is done. Bye-bye, you know. Yeah. And then they left, okay. The next door, the neighbor, while we were all there, he put on the light and he was looking at us, Okay. Now, the logical thing to do is, like, go to his house, knock on his door, tear the door down. Pablo, look what the hell's on top of your roof, you know? And him, from his perspective, he saw five people, including his next-door neighbor and his daughter, who was 10 years old, just staring at uh, the top of his roof, like, with our mouths open, like, <laughs> you know? The logical thing would for him to come out, right? Yeah. 
or for me to knock on his door. That never took place. He was looking at us, right? Why would we be like looking right on top of his roof with our mouths open? You know, <laughs> it's not logical what he did. It's not logical because I didn't make a response. Okay. But this is, people have to understand that you're dealing with an intelligence that totally can get into your mind, Paul's mind, my mind, able to read your mind 110%, can uh, uh, picture images. These are holograms that you're watching. These are holographic projections, just like the, the different beings that people are seeing. In our book, Beyond UFOs, I'm jumping a little ahead here, but in our book, Beyond UFOs, this is a five-year academic research study, okay? We were able to document tens of thousands of different, different types of beings, okay, that people were experiencing, okay? And like, just for example, the human-looking being. Some were 20 feet tall, some were 2 feet tall. Some had suits, some had uniforms, all different colors. Some had blonde hair, uh, blue eyes, some, some were African features, some were Asian features. I mean, you name it, this is just for the human-looking beings, okay? Yeah. And then there was a whole bunch of other categories, okay? So what these are, these are projections, okay? And most of the time, people see them for less than 15 seconds, sometimes 30 seconds, rarely more than a minute, okay? So are these tens of thousands of different beings, physical beings, interacting with us for less than a minute? Are they coming from tens of thousands of physical planets? Or is this something a little bit more complicated, okay? What I realized, not only from my experiences, but interviewing thousands of experiencers, was that the, this, these experiences are similar. Uh, you probably have heard of people that have seen ghosts or spirits, right? Yeah, I'm um, one of them. <laughs> oh, okay. You're one of them, okay? Uh, especially uh, relatives after you bury them, okay? Yeah. People see the relatives or hear the relatives. They get a, a message from them, okay? So this phenomenon is very similar to like you go to your Aunt Sally's funeral two days ago. You saw her buried in the ground. Okay, two days later in your living room, you're making a cup of coffee. There's your Aunt Sally, okay, with her favorite Sunday dress, very, very physical, like she's alive, and you even smell her perfume, okay? And she looks at you. She doesn't say anything. She looks at you, and then like 15 seconds later, she's like withers away and disappears, okay? These are holographic projections, okay, to interact with us for specific purposes, Usually the purpose of, of the deceased person is to let them know that they're okay. Yeah. You know, that I'm fine. Okay. It's a message of, uh, of our assurance to the relative, the loved ones. So these are holographic projections. Now, let me tell you the last thing that happened that day, how they got rid of me. Okay. <laughs> I got to hear okay. this. But you're my, still my, here. <laughs> <laughs> from, from, that ex from that experience. Okay. So my daughter and I were the only ones left. We were watching this object. And all of a sudden, I was being attacked by hundreds of mosquitoes. Huh. I was slapping my arms, slapping my legs. I was wearing shorts and a white uh, T-shirt, right? And so after like a minute of being tortured, I couldn't take anymore. So I grabbed my daughter. I said, come on, she got it. Let's go inside. These mosquitoes are killing me. So we go inside. The door was wide open. My wife was there. The, uh, our little dog was there. And these are these uh, uh, Jack Russell Terrier. Every time they hear somebody outside, they're out there trying to fight somebody, you know? Yeah. So she, she heard all the commotion outside because they were right in, in the front of the door. Uh, my wife's, I'm telling her what happened. She goes, oh, how nice. Like she was waking up out of a trance. What I think, uh, what happened was the six-month checkup, you know? 
to see how the dog is doing after her healing and whatever they did to my wife to see how uh, uh, how she was doing, okay? And then um, then I told her, I told her that we had to come inside because these mosquitoes were killing me. And all of a sudden, my daughter looks up at me and she goes, Daddy, there were no mosquitoes outside. And it was like the amazing Kreskin snapped his finger, say, okay, Ray, I'm going to count to three. I'm going to snap my finger and you wake up. For those people that are over 60 years old, you know who the amazing Kreskin is, okay? <laughs> He's a, a, a hypnotist that I first saw him in 1975 when I was a freshman at Rutgers College. And he had people quacking like ducks on the stage. You know, these were re- <laughs> re- real students, you know? Yeah. And so that's exactly what happened. It's like the amazing Kreskin counted the three, snapped his finger, and I woke up from a trance. And I was like, holy shit, what the hell just happened? And so I ran downstairs. I grabbed my camcorder um, and my professional camera, and I ran outside to try to capture this a picture of this object, right? Gone. There was nothing there, okay? And so later on, I began to digest that experience. And from that, I learned that, first, uh, first of all, you can, with your mind, call them down, okay? Within 15 minutes, they show up. Secondly, they can, uh, you can communicate with them telepathically. Thirdly, that whatever you're watching, you could tell them, look, give me something better. You know, this is bullshit what you're showing. Okay? <laughs> and, and they could to- totally change it at will. Okay, I realized that this was holographic projections because what I was now watching was totally different. Okay, Mm -hmm. and the other one was replaced instantaneously as I had that thought. And then my daughter's voice, I understood that they're able to upload a history of communication with my daughter with my with my daughter. Uh, Like they went into a universal computer. They were able to extract that, reconfigure it and put it in my mind as a telepathic message. Okay, so. I also learned about telepathic messages that they could put it down as well, and as well as me sending it to them. And then uh, the mosquitoes, I didn't see the mosquitoes, but I felt them, like biting me, okay? And there was hundreds of them. And, and so when my daughter said that, I realized this also was a holographic projection, but a holographic projection to my mind, okay, that I was being attacked by these mosquitoes. And then from that experience, I was like, holy cow, this is not what you you read on YouTube or on Netflix or Ancient Aliens and all this other bullshit shows. You know, this is something much, much more complicated, okay? And then began almost four years of nonstop paranormal experiences, and um, including how they gave me spirituality through a series of near-death-related experiences. And that's a very lengthy story, but maybe in the future I can go into that. In the future yeah, interviews. yeah, I'd love to. I got lots yeah. to talk to you about <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and then um, the uh, um, uh, in terms of the work that I'm doing now started uh, while I was in the middle of a traffic jam. Okay, going to work at eight thirty in the morning, and all of a sudden I was taken outside of space time. You wow. know, my consciousness. I was brought into another reality, and I was shown about consciousness and the contact modalities. Okay, it was like at least a half hour I was in this other dimension, and yet when they brought me back. I was still listening to this radio interview of this man uh, who's doing a documentary on his liposuction. He was doing art, fat sculptures. Wow. It was here in the Miami uh, public radio uh, station. And it was a guy that was in a local sc- a film school. And they were interviewing him on his documentary um, on art, fat. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and I was like, I was like, I was like consumed with that interview because it was so interesting. And all of a sudden, they took me out, and I was right back 
talk, listening to this guy about art fat, you know, in this documentary, it was like not a second had 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 elapsed. Okay. Yeah. And meanwhile, all around me was a traffic jam. Okay. <laughs> there was uh, literally outside of space time I was taken. Okay. Yeah. And and then I could go into that. Uh, but um, that's just like a brief introduction. And then my experiences continued, you know, a total of like almost four years. And then uh, it just stopped after one last experience, which is another teaching lesson. Um, these were all series of orchestrated events. Like, for example, after that experience where I was taken out of my body, within 50 hours, I was introduced to the three other co-founders of the Dr. Edgar Mitchell Free Foundation. Mary Rodwell from Australia, Dr. Rudy Shields, who is an emeritus professor of astrophysics at Harvard University, and the late Apollo 14 astronaut, Dr. Edgar Mitchell, all within 50 hours. And it was at the home of Dr. Edgar Mitchell that the Free Foundation got started. And previous to this event, I didn't, I never met these people. I never spoken to Rudy. I never spoken to Mary, never spoken to Edgar. So the, uh, these are orchestrated events by the mind of God. You know, that they, they, everyone has certain missions, certain things that they need to do. And, and um, just like my spirituality, how that was given to me. Uh, you couldn't make this stuff up. Hi, I hope you're enjoying the podcast today. I wanted to take a moment to tell you about an awesome free offer from Bioptimizers. If you've listened to my podcast before, chances are good you've heard me bragging about how amazing a product Bioptimizers P3OM Probiotic is. It's the ultimate secret weapon for knocking out food poisoning, and I found it super effective for stopping most anything that causes gut distress quickly. For example, a couple of times now I've eaten fish that was in the refrigerator a little too long and got bloating, gas, and intestinal discomfort. As soon as I felt these symptoms coming on, I took five capsules of P3OM and continued to eat five more with each meal, and the symptoms cleared up in as little as an hour from when I took the first P3OM capsules. My buddy, Wade Lightheart, one of the formulators of P3OM, calls it the Navy Seal of Probiotics, and he's right. Well, today's your lucky day. Get a free 14-day supply of P3OM and just pay the shipping. You heard me correctly. This month, get your free bottle of this patented, vegetarian-friendly, lactose-free, 100% plant-based super strain of probiotics. Really, that's it. No other strings attached and no purchase required. Bioptimizer's challenge is simple. Try P3OM and see all the positive changes I've just mentioned. And if your digestion, gut, and microbiome is not improved, you've lost nothing. But if they are as effective as I know them to be, your life is back on track. Get your free bottle by going to p3om.com forward slash Paul Free. That's p3om.com forward slash Paul Free. Use the promo code Paul10, all caps. I'm super excited you all get to try this excellent product for free. Enjoy. You know, I've had a lot of very interesting, unique experiences myself. And so, you know, when I was listening to you on Jeffrey Mishlove, what you were sharing fr from me was was totally grounded and real. I wasn't, yeah. I wasn't like shocked or surprised, but I, of course, my experiences have been different in context than yours, but also some of the, some similar characteristics. But what I found was so interesting is, is, you know, that how it led you to doing all this research, because not having 
if I hadn't known any of that and I just studied your books, I would have thought, wow, I don't know who this guy is, but he's really put together a hell of a lot of really good material here. So from the perspective of the material, it shows me hearing the story that it took you from kind of being completely outside of spirituality and atheistic type viewpoint and transitioned you into doing not only having a shift of consciousness, but but doing really important work that helps anybody that studies your work. So uh, what that leads me to ask you, which is aside from what I've planned to ask you is <laughs> what do you what do you feel that this says about the nature of reality and humanity as a whole? Okay, now, now we're going for the home run now. <laughs> well, you know, it's be, be, there's a, there's a, because a lot of people hear stuff like this, they can't believe it. But I think, I think people that have had these types of experiences like you have, like I have, have a very different view of life. And when oh, the totally world is as crazy, yeah, the, with the world is, is kind of wild and crazy and confused as it is right now, I, I think people that have had these experiences have just like your books titled a greater reality. So what, what would you say the greater reality is that's being conveyed to people like you, me and many others all over the world that's not quite trickling into the heads of the other people? Yeah, let, let me give you, a ver again, a very short synopsis of this. Um, we, uh, uh, I guess the, the easiest way to think of it is, you know how a Russian doll has one little doll inside of another one, 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 yeah. okay? You've got pictures of that in one of your I've books. I've got pictures in, in the book, correct. That, that's an easy illustration for people to try to understand. Uh, you talked about living in 4D, okay? Yeah. Our... Reality is a 4D reality. It's the three coordinates of geometry. And then the fourth is space-time, you know, Albert Einstein's yeah. space-time, okay? So since we are born, um, we are um, have been um, exposed to the 4D based upon our five physical senses, you know, hearing, seeing, smelling, tasting, touching, etc. okay? Yeah. So, so that's what we know as our reality, Okay. But once you've had these extraordinary uh, contact modalities, experiences, you understand, like, for example, if you are out of your body, uh, not necessarily a near-death experience, but just you pop out of your body, you might be asleep, and you see your body underneath you, okay? And first time you freak out and you go back into your body, but later on you're like, whoa, that's cool. Let me see if I can induce it again. And then with time, most people are able to, uh, to have it again. And then all of a sudden, you go to the room next door, you see your daughter to see how she's doing. You might go two doors down to see how your mother's doing, you know, or the two blocks away where your mother lives or that sort of thing. Then you begin to explore the neighborhood and then other areas. And then the next logical step that uh, uh, not most people have, but a lot of the people that begin with OBEs is um, I, I call that OBE realm the fifth dimension. And that's because your consciousness is interacting with your physical reality, okay? Mm -hmm. Everything is planet Earth, okay? Um, houses, homes, you know, neighborhoods. You could even go to the moon and back if you want to, you know, like a lot of yeah. people that do remote viewing, okay? It's basically, it's, it's a 5D uh, component, okay? It's a 5D perspective. Your consciousness is outside of the 4D. You're into this 5D area, but you're interacting with the physicality of your environment, Okay? 
but yet it's 5D because your consciousness is outside of the 4D. Now, if you pop out of that 5D and all of a sudden you go into these higher realms, then that's astral travel experiences. There's different names for it, but that is very similar to an NDE because in that realm, um, you can manifest things, okay? Yeah. You can manifest your dead mother, okay? All of a sudden, mom, 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 boom, your dead mother shows right in front of you, okay? And you're able to talk to her, you know, telepathically, obviously, interact with her, play games, do things like that. Uh, you're able to um, interact with almost an infinite number of non-human intelligence, okay? Most of them deal with spiritual teachings, but some of them are highly frightening, okay? Very frightening, okay? And um, so it's very similar to like an NDE in that aspect where you're able to manifest things. For example, in an NDE, um, uh, you die, you see your body underneath you, you go through the tunnel, uh, at the end of the tunnel, the bright light, you go into the bright light, you see these deceased relatives, okay? Um, they're all young. You communicate them uh, with them telepathically. One out of every four people has a life review. I won't go into all those details, okay? Uh, but uh, just a component of manifesting things. All of a sudden, you see like people at, at, at the ridge of a of a of like a hill or something like that you could see figures you know 10 or 20 people whatever and all of a sudden your mind is like oh i wish i could be a little closer so i can see who they are okay and you're Boom. there you're there okay and you're seeing them interacting with them whatever you know and so it's it's a place where you can manifest things just like in these astral travel experiences these experienced astral travel experiences can manifest things okay tom campbell Okay, was the the main guinea pig that Robert Monroe worked with since the very very beginning when they were actually building the laboratory. It was Tom Campbell that used his engineering skills and another engineer to build that laboratory uh, jointly with Robert Monroe. He also had that background as a as a sound engineer, and so and then um, Tom Campbell uh, had a history. Uh, before meeting Robert Monroe, again, talking about orchestrated events, <laughs> of going out of his body, okay? And there he learned how to control them uh, through the binary beats and experiments and, 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 and then was popping into these higher astral realms. And what he did is he would manifest physics experiments with his mind. And then after many years of getting, because he was a, a physicist, he was like me, ABD, all but dissertation. And the guy was, a, the guy's, the man's a genius, okay? Um, mm -hmm. And so he wrote a book titled My Big Toe. My, I've got it, yeah. Yeah, My, my uh, a Theory of Everything, okay, T-O-E, My, my big, big Theory of Everything. Theory of Everything? Which is, I mean, it's unbelievable. It's documenting his experiences outside of his body in these higher astral realms doing all these physics experiments. And he came up pretty much with my conclusion, okay, that number one, that we are living inside a, for lack of a better term, a virtual reality. And that this reality is spiritual. And also he talked about the importance of love. Okay. Now he wasn't familiar with NDE literature. Okay. But he was shown that the importance of love. But yet I'm good friends with a lot of the major NDE uh, researchers. Um, uh, Jeffrey Long is one of the co-editors of A Greater Reality. Jeffrey Long is a, a medical doctor oncologist. He's been conducting uh, uh, surveys, research on NDE experiences for more than 20 years. He has uh, more than 10,000 
individuals that have taken his surveys on NDEs. And he's published two books on it. Uh, Raymond Moody, I went to Alabama to interview him. We've communicated back and forth numerous times. Kenneth Ring, the same thing. One of the pioneers of near-death experience researcher. He's like 88 years old or something like that. I think it is Kenneth Ring. And um, and he was very, very helpful, very instrumental in, in teaching me a lot of things. And uh, Bruce Grayson, another of the pioneers, has a chapter in our book on near-death experiences. And so what all these individuals say is that the most important um, lesson to be learned from an NDE, when people, for example, uh, you got to go back, you got to go back, either this, you know, being that they interpret as God or a family member or an angel, you know, uh, a perceived angel that they uh, that tells them, look, you got to go back. No, no, hell no, I don't want to go back. You know, this is my home. I know this is home. This is where I belong, Okay. Yes. I, I, I know that I'm originally from here. I want to stay. I don't want to go back to that hell, you know. No, no. <laughs> that's what this is. Uh, no, no. I need to go back. Uh, you need to go back. No. And then they're shown visions of the future events that are going to be taking place, which convinces them, you know, of the need to go back. But um, but what, what, they, what they've all told me, and also my own work on NDE research, was... Um, um, what they're told, it's not important what religion you are. It's not important how much money you have. It's not important how famous you are, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, okay? The most important concept that you need to master once you're back here is the ability to learn how to love. Yeah. But yet, that's the most difficult task for mankind. Yeah. It sounds very, very simple. And all of the major... Uh, religious backgrounds have that as their foundation, at least in in theory. Okay, practice is different. You know the the crusades and all the killings for all the different religions. You know, yeah. But in theory, the concept of love. But yet, it's almost impossible for mankind. And what we could do is we could transition to that first question you asked me. Okay. Yeah. So. Uh, to summarize that last uh, question that you asked me, we are living inside a reality that, for lack of a terminology, is a virtual reality, similar to like what you would think like a Russian doll with all these hierarchies of um, of dimensions and realities. The highest dimension is at the NDE level, where you're interacting with th- this intelligence that people associate as God. Okay, and um, and in in the in, in the middle of it, there's also other non forms of human intelligence. And one of my charts, I showed how human consciousness can travel up these astral realms and down the astral realms. But on the opposite side, on the left side, I also talked about how non-human intelligence via the different contact modalities can travel down into our earthly plane like Aunt Sally appearing in the middle of your living room and also travel up the astral realm to wherever source that, that they are from. And so, and, but it's also spiritual. That's what a lot of people forget, okay? There's a whole lot of books about the virtual reality hypothesis, okay? But what they forget is that this is also spiritual because these people have never read NDEs before. They've never talked to NDE experiencers. I've literally (laughs) spent four months, uh, all of my waking time, reading NDE books. And then over um, a three-day period, the first three people I ever mentioned NDEs to, the very first three, okay? All of them told me about their NDE. The first one was my daughter's pediatrician. Uh, 
the second one was this man, Max, at a church social function. And then the third was my father. And he had the most profound NDE of any book ever read, any story I've ever read. And it was coming back home from my father's house after he told me about his profound NDE that for the first time in my life, I spoke to God and to these intermediaries that I call modern angels. And I said, I want to thank you because in a four-month period, you totally transformed someone who's an atheist, materialist, rationalist into someone that I don't have a belief. No, I know that I'm an, an eternal spiritual being and I have that knowingness more than any Catholic priest in Miami. And for that, I want to thank you. And then, to this day, I still communicate with God. You know, um, you know this supreme intelligence. It has nothing to do with religion. Not, absolutely nothing to do with religion. And um, um, so, that's what I basically uh, uh, was part of my reason for doing that introductory article. And in terms of the audience members, those two books, A Greater Reality, these are academic articles, okay? It's 1,600 pages of academic articles, but it's meant for the layperson. Um, uh, some of the articles are a little bit more difficult to get through. Like, for example, there's an article, a uh, 55-page article by Dr. Edgar Mitchell titled The Quantum Hologram Theory of Consciousness. That's not an easy read, okay? It's very, very detailed. It's couched in physics language. But it's written supposedly for the layperson to understand. But it was so heavy duty, I had to read it like two or three times. The very first time I, I, I read it, okay? There's other articles like that, you know? But the yeah. overwhelming majority of them are, you know, for the lay, average layperson uh, to read. And it goes through all, uh, like for example, it starts off with this topic of is consciousness fundamental? That gets to this to This topic is what is the nature of our reality? Is it a physical reality, the true nature of our reality, or is it something much more complicated? Is uh, is it consciousness-based? So that's what that chapter is there for. It has like six or seven articles that focus um, uh, on the topic that consciousness is fundamental, not our physical reality. And uh, and some of them are, you know, difficult to, to get through because for someone who's never been exposed to these things, you know, it's 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 difficult to get, you know, behind some of these concepts. But uh, but once you get into it, you're like, holy shit. Wow. You know? And that's what I'm trying yeah. to do. And, and again, all of this is to getting back to this question of who we are as human beings and what we need to change, what we need to change. So what I started, The Mind of God, which is the introductory chapter to this uh, four, eventual four-volume book series. We've got two volumes that are out now. So um, I started off with a quote from Edgar Mitchell. And what that uh, people don't understand is how, what, what, what type of a genius Edgar Mitchell was, okay? Um, I was at his home more than 20 times. He only lived 90 minutes away from me. We became very good friends. He, we became, he was one of the co-founders of, of this organization that was formed, okay? It was uh, Edgar uh, the professor from Harvard, uh, the physicist, Dr. Rudy Shield, Mary Rodwell from Australia, and myself. So I was at his home all the time because we were doing this survey work. And I would print out, you know, like once every month, once every two months, depending, uh, the data. I would print pie charts for him, okay? And then give him a rundown of how the data is 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 is, is showing, what, what is it demonstrating. But uh, unfortunately, uh, he died before we were able to finish. He died in February of 2016. 
we began our research study um, pretty much in August of 2013. So it was about, was it two and a half years before he passed away. Uh, Edgar was a genius. He was an eminent scholar on consciousness. Uh, just to give you and your audience members an idea, in 1974, he published an article pretty much about all the topics that I talked about, except NDEs and UFOs. He talked about everything else, okay, in, in a book uh, titled uh, Psychic Explorations, okay, 700 pages. And Edgar Mitchell was the co-editor of that, and he also wrote a couple of articles. So it was like mind-blowing academic articles on the nature of our reality, nature of consciousness, and the psi phenomenon, and some of the paranormal, because he knew you couldn't separate one uh, from the other. And also, um, Edgar was a visionary, okay? He always understood that in order to be able to get a better understanding of the nature of our reality, we needed to do academic um, research on the experiencers of the contact modalities. Uh, I didn't know that in the beginning. Um, I found out later on as my, through my conversations with him. Uh, what had happened was that um, here I had this out-of-body experience while I was driving my car. And then as soon as I get home, I'm freaking out. I couldn't do any work at my job in, 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 uh, in the federal building in Miami where I worked. So after like four hours, I said, you know, screw this. I'm going home. I can't concentrate. I'm still freaking out, you know. And so yeah. when I, I got home, I waited like two or three hours. I checked my emails. And there was an email from Mary Rodwell from Australia. It says, uh, Dear Ray, I'm sorry I didn't respond to an email that you had sent me four months ago. But it just popped up on my computer today. Okay. It was held up in cyberspace for four months. And what happened was back in October of 2012, I thought I was going insane. Because I was having all of these experiences. I couldn't talk to my wife about it because to her, everything is all religion, you know. And I didn't have the background to, to be, know where do I start. So I know was, part of it was initially UFO related. Now I know it's not UFO related. <laughs> it's something much, much more complicated. And um, so what I did is I um, uh, found out like 10 researchers uh, of the UFO phenomenon. I sent them like 10 emails. And I got responses from only two of them. So six months later, I got a response from Mary Rodwell. She was the third person. Um, and then I sent her an email back, and I said, Mary, how often does this happen that your email just gets held up in cyberspace for six months, you know? And, mm -hmm. and, uh, and uh, this is all the other stuff that happened in the last six months since my email, and this is what happened today. So she responded, Ray, never. This is the first time this ever happened about her email being held up in, in cyberspace. And, uh, and she was blown away by my experiences. She needed to talk to me. And so we eventually, she showed me how to use uh, Skype. I never used Skype before or Zoom or anything. Uh, I had no need for it. And then um, uh, we talked to like 1 in 30 in the morning. And I said, look, Mary, I got to go to work tomorrow. And she says, okay, we'll continue our work. And then um, at 9.30 in the morning, I got a phone call. Uh, Hello, is this Ray Hernandez? Yes, who's this? Dr. Rudy Shields. Who? I had no idea who this man was, okay? Mary had sent him an email because he worked with Mary. Whenever Mary would identify someone that had gotten a download about consciousness or advanced physics, he would send it to Rudy, and then he would do an in-depth interview because that's what he's been specializing on, Okay. Consciousness and downloads of advanced science or physics, which I did get as well. 
And so he's calling me up and he said, oh, Mary didn't send you an email. I said, well, I never received an email from Mary. Hold on a second. Let me see if she sent it. And there it was. I just hadn't opened it. And he jumped the gun and called me, you know, before uh, Mary had gotten back to him. So he said, oh, can I talk to you? I said, sure. You know, he identified who he was, a retired professor of astrophysics at the Harvard Smithsonian Center for Astrophysics for more than 45 years, a dear friend uh, of the late Dr. Uh, John Mack, who is a professor of psychiatry at the Harvard School of Medicine. And he wrote this now very famous book titled Passport to the Cosmos, which had a totally different perspective of, um, of the UFO contact phenomenon. Okay? Totally. It was very much in line to what my books are all about. And so he was the only professor that publicly defended Dr. John Mack. He was a tenured professor at the School of Medicine. They wanted to get rid of him. Okay? A professor of psychiatry. And so he was the as far as I remember, the only person that publicly defended him. And so um, so he heard my story, and he said, Ray, what you got was a download of Dr. Edgar Mitchell's quantum hologram theory of consciousness. And then he said, write down this telephone number, and I wrote it down. He says, this is the telephone number of my mentor. And I'm like, who in the hell could be this guy's mentor? He's a, you know, 80-year-old professor of astrophysics at Harvard, you know? Um, so I asked him, you know, who's your mentor? He goes, Dr. Edgar Mitchell. And oh, I said, wow. And I was like, holy shit, you know? And and um, so I was scared uh, to give Edgar a call. So we spoke, Rudy and I, for like 90 minutes, and then we agreed to continue our discussions. So I waited for him. He said he was going to give Edgar a call, okay? So I found out later that immediately he gave Edgar a call. He told him about the details of our conversation, what had happened to me, uh, that it was very, very similar to his theory of consciousness. And so here I was four hours later giving Edgar a call, and he's telling me uh, that he only lives 90 minutes away from me. So he says, well, what are you doing tomorrow? I said, well, I'm going to go to work. He says, can you take the day off? I said, sure. He says, can you come by my house? How about 10 o'clock? I said, of course. So at 10 a.m., I was at his home. And remember, my experience in that traffic jam was at 8.30 in the morning. That was literally 50 hours, okay, before yeah. before uh, I was at Edgar's home. And at Edgar's home, I was there like six hours, and it, too lengthy to discuss the details of that conversation. But basically, he's told me, Ray, you were given a clear mandate of what you needed to do, okay? And, um, and I was still totally confused. And I said, Edgar, I have no idea what I'm supposed to do. He says, don't worry. It'll come to you. It always works that way. <laughs> so yeah. when he said that, I said, he's another madman, just like that professor from Harvard. I'm dealing with fucking, <laughs> fucking crazy people, you know? And, and <laughs> that, so, fly air, that fly spaceships. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, um, and so what happened was this is midweek, like Wednesday or something. I was at Edgar's home. All of a sudden, Saturday morning, I woke up. And I had a whole download of what I needed to do, like details, details, okay? So I went in front of my computer, and I started typing it all out. What it was was the methodology, a research methodology for the world's first and only comprehensive, academic, statistical, multi-language, uh, worldwide uh, academic research study of UFO contact experiencers. And I even had the areas that we would focus on, not just the bullshit abduction stuff that all you hear is on the Internet, you know, but the full spectrum 
of, of uh, the contact experience, okay? It was like ready in my head, and I typed it out. It came out to like six pages, single space. So I sent it to Mary Rodwell. I sent it to Edgar Mitchell. I sent it to Rudy Shields. I said, what do you think of this? And they were all like blown away, like, oh, my God, Ray, how did you get this, you know? And I told them. I woke up with it, you know? And so I said, you know, want to join forces so we can move ahead. And they all said yes. So that's where the organization got started. And then eventually, Rudy Shields, the professor from Harvard, suggested, Ray, can you, next time you meet with Edgar, ask him if we could name the organization to honor him, to have his name on it. And I videotaped that. I have the videotape recording. Edgar agreed to it, okay? And so we had our very first meeting. We had 20 people at that first meeting in August. Mind you, my experience was mid-May, okay, of 2013. The very first meeting of the organization was August of 2013. Like three months later, we were like rocking and rolling, you know, with like 20 people. With all all these professors, we had about five or six uh, professors initially. Yeah, so just for everybody listening, uh, Ray's organization is CCRI, Consciousness and Contact Research Institute. You want to share the website for that, Yes, yes. Please go to the website. There we have all our books available for free as PDF files. Okay? For free as PDF files. Now, I didn't know that. I spent a bunch of money. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if people want a soft paper, a a softbound copy or uh, a formal ebook on it, then they have to go to Amazon, you know, to purchase it. Yeah. Because I'm not going to be, you know, buying books for everybody and giving them away. But at least I'm giving it... (laughs) PDF copies for free, and it's on our website. Our website is a greater reality.com. A greater reality.com. And for email, people want to communicate with me. I, I talk to people almost every day of the week. Um, just this morning, I got two emails from individuals. And so my email is info, I N F O, at a greater reality. I'm sure most of you are aware, even though you may not like the taste of organs, that organ meats are extremely important and good for you. And I've got great news for you. Paleo Valley makes an amazing grass-fed organ complex that's unique and better than anything I've ever found out there. So much better. I wanted you to hear right from Autumn Smith, its creator, exactly what you're going to get from their grass-fed organ complex. Autumn. Get us informed on why we should be using your amazing organ complex. Okay. Well, like you said, organ meats are nature's multivitamins. And when we use them, we feel this energy and this stamina. And most people don't like the flavor. So what we did was we took grass-fed and finished organs like liver and heart and kidney, and we just put them into capsules so that you can get all the benefits, the beautiful benefits of organ meats without actually having to taste them, without liver burps, of course. And they're just freeze-dried. So again, they're not processed heavily in any way whatsoever, and they are sourced from American farmers using regenerative agricultural practices. And I sincerely hope you love it. Save 15% on your Paleo Valley Organ Complex by going to paleovalley.com forward slash C-H-E-K 15. That's P-A-L-E-O valley.com forward slash C-H-E-K 15. No promo code is required. There's a tremendous amount, as we've been discussing about conscious evolution, consciousness, contact modalities, NDE, spirits. 
explanations, explorations of different dimensions, religion, shamanism, and a lot more in your book. Um, but from what I ascertained from studying your works, it all hinges on the foundation of God. Um, the, the, the mind of God, the mind of God. Yeah, the mind of God. I'm not speaking yeah. to religious God, but it's source. Source, 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 yeah, source, yeah. Yeah. I, I have a way of distinguishing, um, you know, I think I might have mentioned to you, I'm writing a six-volume series called Welcome to Spirit, Jim, and it's the 10 principles that I believe we all have to be aware of and practice to evolve spiritually. And um, in there, I give clear definitions of God. So I spell God, capital G, capital O, capital D, which I equate, equate to the symbol zero, which is absolutely everything and nothing simultaneously. And I say that's big C. That's the foundation of, of everything that can be perceived as a phenomenological experience. Yeah, that, that's how I defined it. It's, uh, and again, these are not new concepts. The, the Upanishads, the Upanishads written, what, 8,000 years ago, say the same exact thing, okay? And yes. that was handed down to, you know, the Taoism, the Buddhist tradition, you know, all the Near Eastern... Uh, uh, traditions to uh, Greek philosophy, to Roman philosophy, and even the early uh, European uh, Christian philosophers talked about, you know, the, the unity of all one, you know. Uh, yes. So th this has a lengthy historical tradition, which has been, as, as, as you probably know, uh, pretty much neglected <laughs> recently. Yes. And so then I define capital G, little o, little d, like the typical religious God, a Christian God, a Muslim God, as the highest power of any belief system. Yeah. And then little G-O-D I categorize as any conscious entity with the ability to change its environment. So if you have the power to change your environment, you're a little G-O-D. If you're the highest power of a belief system, you're capital G, little o, little d. But the source of it all is capital G, capital O, capital D. And that I equate to unconditional love for a that's number of reasons. Exactly. That's, that's, it's, uh, I agree totally with that. Um, Thanks. I'll have to get you my books when they come out. <laughs> the, the whole foundation to it and the NDE literature establishes that. Okay. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and also advanced um, uh, out of body, not out of body, astral travel experiences also mentioned that. Okay. And that yeah. was the most important concept for UFO contact experiences in our surveys. Okay, spirituality, number one among all the topics that was number one for the UFO contact experiences of what was the most important message that was relayed to them. All these different contact modalities have, you know, the same foundation of the most important variable uh, to that particular contact modality, and that is spirituality and love. And by spirituality, uh, we're not talking, again, as you phrased earlier, nothing to do with, with religion, just this whole concept that we are we are eternal spiritual beings. Okay? Yes. That's, that's the whole foundation towards spirituality. And that how, uh, getting back to Edgar Mitchell's point, that um, uh, the most important message is that we need to conduct our lives with, uh, uh, with love. That's it. Just love. That's it. Okay. Not money, not ego, not, you know, just pure love. But Edgar says that because of the lack of love, because of the consummate ego in our planet, economic exploitation, you know, the tendency for, for wars, for self, for destruction of each other, uh, that um, 
you know, unbridled capitalism, that that is leading towards uh, our own uh, self-destruction. I mean, from my perspective, this that's going to happen to uh, to humanity. We might not completely destroy each and every living human being, but that's where we're heading towards. And what I did is I discussed several, uh, three main topics, okay? One is obviously nuclear proliferation, okay? It seems like every year a new country is developing the nuclear, you know, bomb, okay? Yeah. Uh, uh, Putin every day is saber-rattling, you know, uh, yeah. nuclear weapons. And, and so... You know, if that starts, all hell is going to break loose, you know, on this planet. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. And and then a lot of people don't understand. Like like in Chernobyl, that's a little tiny explosion, you know, in Chernobyl. Yeah. But yet within a, I forgot what that mile radius is, 40 mile radius. Now imagine if there's like, you know, 10 million Chernobyls all throughout the world, you know. It's going to make this planet pretty much uninhabitable for, you know, for hundreds of thousands of years. So that's one aspect. The other aspect, which is, I think it's inevitable. Um, the United Nations has um, been publishing on a yearly basis now for at least 25 years, um, uh, global studies about our glaciers and global warming. Okay. We're talking about thousands of scientists all over the world. Okay. They all unanimously agree. Okay. Of the tendency towards global warming and the thinning of the ice sheets, okay? And they've even come out with recent studies over the last two years that it's much more accelerated than what they initially had thought because they had gone into the, the solar cap, uh, polar caps underneath the water, and they saw the decrease in the volume of ice, which is much, much more larger than what they thought. And so um, I forgot the exact numbers, but uh, clearly, within 50 years, most of the major cities that are on the coast are going to be underwater, okay? Mm -hmm. Just in the United States, half of Florida is going to be underwater. New York City is going to be underwater. Boston's underwater, okay? Uh, Washington, D.C. is going to be underwater. Uh, it might not be totally underwater, but enough to make it unsustainable, these major cities. Go to look at Asia. Go look at India. India, we're talking, you know, Half a billion people live in the coastal areas, okay? Bangladesh is almost completely underwater, okay? Bangladesh has more than a billion people in it. Just let's, let's just analyze Bangladesh, okay? All of a sudden, all these billions of people of Bangladesh are forced to vacate their area. Where are they going to go to? They're going to go to India, nuclear power. They're going to go to Pakistan, nuclear power, okay? All of a sudden, these people are going to take out the military. That's not going to be enough. Okay, they're going to be throwing out bombs to try to exterminate people. Okay, um, there's going to be uh, political upheavals. There's going to be dictatorships. Okay, there's going to be wars among um, uh, countries because of the borders. The borders are now they're not fixed anymore. Okay, yeah, they're going to have these massive migrations of billions of people. Okay, so that's like it's universal chaos, and uh, that's going to kill more people than the the actual global warming is these secondary effects. And so that's why I discuss in my book. And then there's the continued economic exploitation. The rich are getting richer. Um, the middle class is decreasing significantly, okay, astronomically, okay, uh, where now for the middle class, at least in the United States and most of the industrialized countries, it's becoming very, very difficult for people to try to sustain the, the lifestyle that they had a generation earlier. And it's just, it's accelerating that type of um, 
um, uh, distribution of assets becoming skewed, okay? Yeah. So that's not sustainable. That's not sustainable. It's going to reach a point together with all these other things, the ecological things that I talked about, okay? There's going to be political instability here uh, all over the world, okay, in the major industrialized country, let alone all these other third world countries, quote-unquote third world countries, you know. And so all of these uh, create this tendency for what? Self-destruction. Yes. Okay? And so the, what I foresee is that there might be uh, small gaps of populations. Like, uh, like, for example, let me just give you. My wife, after that initial experience in our living room, in calling down these UFOs, this is about maybe six months later. She, it was like six months of nonstop precognitive events that she would know. She, she, she detected a tumor in my back. Wow. How do, you, how do you know I got a tumor there? I just know it's there. And then she would like put a hand like in the back, not touching it, just like waving. You know, it's there. It's there. I know it. All right. I went to a surgeon. They did an x-ray of it. Well, you got a large tumor in your back, but it's not in your lungs. It appears to be um, like a large cyst, you know, under your skin. So I went to a surgeon. They confirmed it. It was like a seven-inch uh, 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 cut <laughs> to take it out. Huge. Wow. Another time we were going to go to our very first UFO conference. She goes, no, I ain't going. The car's going to blow up. It's a brand new car. It's less than three years old. The engine's going to blow up. The engine's going to blow up. And I, was like, I already purchased tickets. I got in hotels, everything. <coughs> I ain't going. And so like a week before we were supposed to go, I brought it to the mechanic. And he said, Ray, thank God you brought it to me. You didn't take that long trip. The whole engine would have exploded because all these cable belts was loose and this other problem, and it would have been a massive catastrophe. And so she was like nonstop having these precognitive uh, experiences. And... Um, and so anyway, during that time period, one day we were having a totally separate conversation. And then all of a sudden she begins to, for lack of a better word, channel an intelligence, okay? She says, you need to become more spiritual because there's going to be a, 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 a catastrophic series of events for humans. And there's going to be billions of people are going to die, lots of bloodshed. We're going to be returning to living like Native Americans. Well, the whole healthcare system is going to be gone. We're going to be using um, Native plants and herbs to treat us, you know. And we're going to be living in small communes. Uh, and in the communes, we're going to be taking care of each other like family. She just went on and on and on. Mind you, my wife is not that type of a personality. Okay. <laughs> we, Not even, we well, she is now. <laughs> nothing about that. Nothing. No, she totally forgot about it. Oh. Okay. She totally forgot about it. And and she was like, I don't know. And I said, well, where did you read this? I didn't read it anywhere. Well, where did you listen to it? I didn't listen to it anywhere. Well, how do you know it? I just know it, you know? And, um, and so all of a sudden she goes, I'm going to sleep. And then she goes upstairs and I'm like pondering this. What the fuck just happened, you know? <laughs> and all of a sudden, like after five minutes, I said, I need to continue asking more questions. This is some crazy shit. She's channeling a being about the destruction of humanity, the thinning, thinning of humanity, not a complete destruction, a thinning of humanity, that we need to change our ways, we're this, we're that, you know, we're too greedy, we're too, you know, everything that I wrote about, you know? And so anyway, I go back up there, she's sound asleep. The next morning when she wakes up, she had no idea she told me these things. Okay. Okay. That's I mean, great. but but I'm telling you, it was four years of this crap. You know. Yeah. It was like it was, and that's like little stuff that I told you about. That's not the more the more serious stuff of 
you know, seeing shadow people going out of your body and having these teaching lessons and, and all these other things. It's like, you know, uh, seeing UFOs going down within 15 minutes, they would always appear. Large objects, you know, not, yeah. not a little tiny speck in the sky, you know. And so um, uh, communicating with uh, a man who's not a man, <laughs> no, that's some crazy <laughs> stuff there, which I won't get, I shouldn't have said that, but uh, we'll, right. we'll ignore, ignore that I said that. <laughs> um, but anyway, so I wrote this article introducing Edgar's language from an article that he wrote. Uh, the title of the article, um, uh, I think it's titled Science and Spirituality. Mm-hmm. Okay. It was only two pages, but it had that quote in it. So I said, this is an appropriate introduction to wake up humanity of what's coming. Okay? Yeah. And now here's the important part that I want to mention. The reason why it's happening now, now, this awakening, awakening is what it is now. Just uh, let me uh, pull back a little bit. Okay? To me, the three most, the four most important contact modalities are communication with the deceased. But that's been going on since the dawn of mankind. Yeah. NDEs started with Raymond Moody's book, Life After Life, 1975. Out-of-body experience was made popular and astral travel experiences by Robert Monroe. He published his first book, Higher Journeys, in 1972. Okay. To me, the fourth one is the topic of UFOs and intelligence from other realities or other planets, other dimensions, that sort of thing, okay? When did that topic began to circulate on a global scale in most of the major languages of the world, okay? Raymond Moody's book was translated to 18 major languages. It circulated all over the world. Now, all over the world, you could be in Timbuktu, okay? You mentioned NDEs, people know what it is, okay? Yeah. Out-of-body experience is not as common as NDEs, but you go into the major countries of the world, people have heard of out-of-body experiences. They know what it is, okay? The UFO stuff, everybody knows about UFOs now, okay? But previous to 1970, before Star Trek was syndicated, okay, mm-hmm. only the UFO groupies knew about it, okay? Once Star Trek was syndicated, what that means is that it was given to TV stations all around the world in all the major languages, and it was dubbed into their own native languages. So now you know about beings from other planets, beating from other realities, other dimensions, you know, beam me up, Scotty, you know, teleportation, telepathic communication, you know, all of a sudden, since 1970, people know these things. So then I get my, I ask this question, and let me pose it to your audience members, okay? Is it just a coincidence that between 1970 to 1975, three of the major contact modalities were spread to all the major languages around the world? Or was this a pre-planned event? My response is this is a pre-planned event, okay? Mm -hmm. Then in my book, I asked the mind of God, I asked the question, why? Well, also, who? I, I, if it's pre-planned, who, who, who's the planner is what I'd like to know. The creator, the creator. Okay, so it's a coming from on high then. Cosmic consciousness, whatever you might there want you to go. call it. Okay? Yeah. He's, he's got this virtual reality, which is good, working good so far, okay, where souls are able to reincarnate in this physical plane and have life experiences and bring it back to the mind of God, okay? Now it's like, you guys are... 
screwing you're fucking this up <laughs> you know yeah. you're screwing it i'm uh, i know there are other realities out there other dimensions but this one's working pretty good you know yeah. and um and and so what he's saying is to human beings basically by these experiences because all of them all three of them the most important lesson that people come out of it is spirituality our book beyond ufos statistically confirmed that near-death experience by definition spirituality okay yeah out-of-body experiences and astral travelers uh, there's never been a big formal academic research study okay of experiencers i had to use all the books that have been written by experiencers okay of astral traveling and out-of-body experiences yet all of them are saying the same thing these are spiritual lessons that are being taught okay spirituality and so what it's teaching us right now at this time, why now is because humanity has reached that crossroads, mm-hmm. okay? You're going to change, you have the ability to change, or very, very soon, you're going to reach that point of no return, and thus the thinning of humanity. So this is like a wake-up call for people to understand, look, you know, you need to change. If the humanity, human species, is to survive at the rate that you are doing now, at the rate now, instead of being, you know, like little tiny tribes around the world, like, uh, uh, what do you call it, Mad Max or something like that, you know? Yeah, Or exactly. uh, Native American villages, that sort of thing, you know? Mm-hmm. But it, uh, what's happening, it's like a fresh reboot of humanity. Uh, it's, a, it's a reboot. Yeah, there's many things I could say. There's so many things I could talk to you about. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, send you the introduction to my series i think you're going to find it fascinating and and see what i have diagrammed and done professionally with an artist uh based on everything we've talked about i think it's going to be very interesting experience for you hi did you know that there are numerous studies using specialized dyes and radiolucent markers showing that when we eat a specific organ or gland from an animal it ends up going directly to the same organ or gland in our body This deep wisdom has been known long before science validated it, and people like St. Hildegard of Bingen all the way back in the 1100s wrote a diet book showing what specific meats would help heal ailments in the body. Francis Marion Pottinger, author of the famous Pottinger's Cat Study, used radiolucent markers and found that when we eat the adrenal glands of an animal, the molecules of adrenal tissue go right to our own adrenal glands. The body is very efficient and won't try to reinvent the wheel, so to speak. This is also true of collagen. About 15 years ago, while performing stunt lifting, I had a man fall from above right onto my head, blowing out two of my discs completely, tearing spinal ligaments and leaving me with spinal cord and nerve root compression. Any surgeon would have immediately wanted to fuse these joints and put metal in my neck, but I chose to rehabilitate myself, and one of the key dietary ingredients I used was collagen powder. This feeds the body the exact molecules it needs to repair the damaged collagen in my neck, and I'm still going strong. Joint degeneration is not only very common among athletes, but among workers and people of all ages today, and regularly consuming Organifi's collagen supplement may save you from a lot of pain, doctor's visits, and surgery. Give your body the resources it needs and let it do its magic. Organifi Collagen uses only real food ingredients. It contains hydrolyzed bovine hide collagen peptides. This protein form is derived from pasture-raised cows. It is associated with pain relief from aches and pains in joints, radiant skin health, and even bone loss prevention. 
eggshell membrane collagen. Taken from the thin layer between the egg and the shell, it is collagen-rich, and this may be beneficial for strong joint health. Hydrolyzed fish collagen peptides derived from wild-caught fish. This is a particularly useful collagen source because of its small particle size, making it easily digestible and absorbable. Chicken bone broth protein concentrate. This source provides the collagen type found in your gut, joints, and cartilage and helps support greater health both inside and out. Don't wait until you're in so much pain that it hurts to do what you love to do, or you're told you need surgery when you can feed your body Organifi collagen and feel better every day while also enhancing your nutritional profile. To get your Organifi collagen, go to O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com forward slash C-H-E-K-20. That's Organifi.com forward slash C-H-E-K-20. On checkout, use your Living 4D discount code, capital C, capital H, capital E, capital K-20, and get 20% off with your purchase of Organifi Collagen. Of, of, of the many things I would, would like to talk about, I'll, I'll stick to the outline and I'll say... Based on everything that you've experienced and that we've already talked about here, um, how do you feel things would be different if humanity had a unified understanding of what God is that helped us have more of a contact, an intimate relationship with source intelligence and allowed us each to know why we're all here together as opposed to all this kind of segregation and sectarianism and because there's you know there's so much infighting that goes on and politicians use religion as a tool for exploitation and manipulation i mean i i nothing sickened me more than seeing the pope and christian preachers saying god and jesus want you to get vaccinated during covid i'm like this is like the complete hijacking of religion and so the question simply put is if if we had a more unified authentic understanding of what god is how do you think that would change things well i think that's what happens to experiencers of the contact modalities um i've always stated when i'm ever uh, i'm interviewed and I've had uh, hundreds of interviews uh, since I, we published the, our first book, um, uh, Beyond UFOs. And I always tell people, I said, if only, if only humanity, each and every one of us, human beings, can have a near-death experience. We would not have the world that we would have today. Because people would understand, you know, there's much, much more to life than just physicality, than materialism, than materialism, physical goods, okay? Yeah. I mean, look at each and every one of our families, okay? You see family members, like for after someone dies, all of a sudden there's World War III as to who's going to get the largest share, you know, of the inheritance. Yeah, I'll give you a, a story real quick just to point that out. Um, my ex-wife's family... Uh, had a small inheritance of 6,000 from a, a, a deceased grandparent and they all fought over how much their percentage was going to be to the point that they had to hire a lawyer and the lawyer's fee to resolve it was $6,000. <laughs> yes. yes. I'm like, yes. this is so ridiculous. <laughs> well, let, let me tell you what I did with the IR when I was work with, uh, with the IRS, I was an estate tax attorney. 
And my focus was primarily on estate taxes, okay, uh, which is an inheritance tax that the heirs have to pay. And, um, and what they do, these multimillionaires and multi-billionaires, they're all higher attorneys, okay? These people are attorneys, they're CPAs, and they have masters in, in, in law, in taxation yeah. law, okay? They know every trick in the book. Also, if you look at the IRS tax code, it's there for the wealthy, it's not there for the middle class, okay? So mm-hmm. these people wound up paying almost nothing or nothing in taxes once they die, just like major corporations, okay? Yeah. Um, Elon Musk pays nothing. Jeff Bezos pays nothing. That guy from Google, whatever his name with the glasses, uh, Bill Gates, nothing. Exxon Corporation, nothing. Amazon, nothing. Um, you know, that's how the tax code is written to benefit the wealthy, okay? So what I did is... I ordered it, these estate tax returns, which has to list all of their assets and all of the debts of these multi-millionaires and billionaires, okay? And then what I did is I investigated all of the legal tricks that they used, okay? So these are all legal tricks that are in the statutes, okay? And my goodness, it was like one out of every three cases, there was World War III, legal World War III as to the inheritance, okay? And these are, these are kids, you know, wives, ex-wives, you know, everybody wanted their piece of the buy, okay? Yeah. So, uh, again, if you think of an NDE experiencer, they're told, look, it's not important how much money you have. It's not important your material goods, because when you die, what the fuck are you going to take with you? Just what you've become. You're going to take shit up there, okay? It's yeah. every, everything is non-material, okay? It's not important mm. how famous you are. Your ego, okay? Mm-hmm. Okay? If you are horrible with people, you treat people horribly, okay? Mm-hmm. And a lot of it is ego-based, okay? If you treat people horribly, well, you're going to get a hell of a life review. You're going to get a hell of a life review. You're going to be shown these things, okay? To the point where you're like, that's it. I don't want any more. Uh, please, please, no more. Please, no more. One more, one more. And it shows like the worst thing you, you, you've ever done. And you're like, you know, you're broken down. You're destroyed, you know. And then it shows you the good stuff, you know. And it's like, uh, for example, uh, you come out of Subway with a sandwich, okay. You're hungry as hell. You're, you're dying to have that Subway, right. And all of a sudden, you see a homeless guy in the street. And you, you turn and you ask the guy, look, when was the last time you ate? Well, it's been three days ago since I ate. And then... All of a sudden, you give them the sandwich. And they're shown that experience is one of the most important experiences you've done. Yeah. Okay? And something that the person never remembered. But it's things like that. You know, humanity is is uh, in for a rude awakening once they cross over. <laughs> once you they know, cross uh, over. In Steiner's teachings, he says something that's pretty profound. I think it's a book called At Home in the Universe by Steiner, but it's a, it has a fair bit on what happens when you die. He says, the first thing that happens when you die is you find yourself surrounded by people just like you, and you stay there until you're absolutely sure of what you'll never do again. <laughs> I read that and I cracked up laughing. I'm like, well, that's definitely going to be hard for some people. Yeah, that's um, what a lot of uh, NDE experiencers talk about, like in limbo, um, that they're in this transition stage. And that's like, like a cleansing stage, like a healing stage, you know, uh, from, from living this physical reality. 
And um, so, you know, uh, again, there's so much work that needs to be done about uh, the NDE phenomenon, even though there's, you know, over 300 books written by medical doctors and research studies. It's like we're just at the very tip of that. Uh, but the, the problem with a lot of NDE researchers is that they specialize just on NDEs. They don't focus on the big overall picture of consciousness, the con- uh, all of the paranormal, the contact modalities. They're not putting all the picture or all the, the disciplines together. And that's what I think is my important contribution. Yes, it is. It's, it's, it's really beautiful what you've done. I, I, I wish I had time to just sit and read your books through and through. Fortunately, I've studied massive amounts of this information right over here. Right beside me is a comprehensive library with over 5,000 books I've collected in my career, and I've studied thousands of them. So when I get a hold of books like yours, the reason I know they're good books is because I've studied enough to recognize good work when yeah, I see and, it. And let me tell you how that started, you know, that, that mindset, okay? Here I was having, ex- just like other major contact experiences, you're not only seeing UFOs, you're having out-of-body experiences. You're seeing deceased people. You're going to these higher realms, okay? I was exposed to a series of near-death-related experiences to teach me spirituality. So remote viewing, okay? Yeah. Um, uh, precognitive events, okay? Uh, you name it, I, I've had it, okay? But, uh, but there's so many others, like my best friend, best friend down here in Miami. This guy's a retired DEA federal agent. Okay, he was the primary instrumental person that discovered that Manuel Noriega, the dictator from uh, Panama, was importing cocaine into the Dominican Republic and into Haiti to then bring to the United States. And uh, the dictator of Haiti, a baby Dr. Valier with drugs and cocaine and everything, the whole works. So this is a major player. Right. But yet he's one of the world's major contact experiencers. Okay. It's been like 40 years of nonstop contact <laughs> with him. And um, you wouldn't know it because he was quiet the whole time. Um, and, and, and it was an orchestrated event that led me to his wife, but then led me to him. Um, it's very lengthy, the conversation. But, but anyway, the, but there's many people like that, like him, around the world. And these people uh, um, uh, are examples that you cannot just study just UFOs or just near-death experiences, or just out-of-body experiences, or just ghosts and spirits, you know, that is the total package, and to mix in consciousness research in it. So what happened was, once the Dr. Edgar Mitchell Free Foundation got started, I started asking all these academics and people that were studying uh, consciousness and the psi phenomenon. The two principal players, the three principal players were Dr. Edgar Mitchell, Dr. Rudy Shield, and Dr. John Klimo. He was a professor for over 45 years, a psychology professor. And what did he study for 45 years? Consciousness and the paranormal. Okay? Mm -hmm. So it wasn't a coincidence that he was brought to us. But we had other individuals like him or similar to him. So they, in turn, started to introduce me to the major players in these different disciplines and also to the the parapsychologists. Okay? You name the parapsychologists. I've spoken with these people. I've interviewed them. Uh, uh, people like um, uh, the the lead scientist uh, uh, at the Institute for Noetic Sciences. Uh, oh my goodness, my my Alzheimer's is kicking in here. 
Uh, Dean Radin, Dr. Dean Radin. Oh, doc, Dr. Radin, yeah. I've, I've yeah, read yeah. many I mean, of his books. Uh, uh, Edgar gave him a call. He says, Dean, you need to invite Ray to go out there to give a lecture to your members, okay, and to the staff members. And so Dean Radin did it, uh, invited me to out there. And so we had a series of conversations. Later on, I flew out there with my documentary crew because we're doing a documentary. We're in the final stages of it, five years of filming. And so, That's great. And so with all of these parapsychologists, all of these professors that had similar interests, right, I asked them, I said, first of all, do you believe that consciousness is primary? Okay. And they all said, of course it is. Okay. I said, do you believe that all of the paranormal needs to be studied as one interrelated phenomenon under consciousness? They all said, yes, it is. Of course. You know, we're talking people like Raymond Moody. We're talking people like Gary Schwartz. Okay, yeah, was I love a professor Gary at Harvard at Yale, yeah, mm-hmm. and also Stephanie Schwartz, one of the fathers of remote viewing. Okay, a, a brilliant, brilliant genius. Okay, a very erudite, scholarly man. He's not a PhD, but he he knows much more than ninety five percent of the PhDs I've ever spoken to. Okay, again, they all agree to all this. Doctor John Alexander, okay, who wrote his PhD dissertation on near death experiences. George Knapp. And he, for over 40 years, he's interviewed everybody and his mother in these fields, in the paranormal field. George, is consciousness primary? Of course it is. Do you believe that uh, all of the paranormal needs to be studied as one phenomenon? Yes. What do you think of the UFO phenomenon? He says, well, the materialist approach is, is dead, okay? If you keep on trying to study a physical UFO with a physical flying saucer, that's going to get you nowhere, Okay. And, and then he went on to explain exactly, you know, my position, okay? And the book, Beyond UFOs, uh, regarding the UFO phenomenon. And so this is a man that, uh, that pretty much popularized the genre of UFO research in his radio shows, okay? And also Skinwalker Ranch. He wrote a book about it. He made it famous. Um, so he, he, this is just an example of people sharing exactly my viewpoint. So then with all of these people, I said, well... I want to read the book that discusses this. And they all said, well, has it been written? Well, how about the academic article that discusses these principles that we're talking about? It hasn't been written. I said, unbelievable. This is the most important question for mankind. And you're telling me no one has even written an academic article on it? And they said, no. And Dean Radin specifically said, look, Ray, um, just to get people to accept the psi phenomenon, the science, the statistical research on the psi phenomenon, that's been 20 years of numerous publications. He said, now if we expand it to these questions that you're talking about, we're going to lose all credibility, you know, lose all acceptance. And he said that the work that you're doing, he says, we're like sister organizations, but that my work is like way ahead of ions in terms of seeing the big picture. And I've got it on, on film. You know, these guys saying all of this, you know. Yes. So I think that's why my work is important because as far as I know, I'm the first one that's merging, that's merging consciousness research, academic research, with all of the paranormal contact modalities being studied as one integrated phenomenon. Okay. Yes. And to me, it's surprising because you talk to any major contact experiencer, they're like, duh. Why, of course it is, okay? Yeah. But if you haven't had these major experiences, you wouldn't know. You know, you'd still be stuck in your little uh, paradigm of 
UFOs or NDEs or out of body or ghosts and spirits, that sort of thing. You you'd be missing the bigger picture. And so all I'm articulating is articulating what major experiencers know. Yes, That's it. and I'm with, totally with you. That's why I was so happy when I looked through your books because it, they're so uh, wholesome. Whole, you know, you know the concept of the whole on a whole unto itself. It's as though I don't need to go searching through forty books in my library to put the pieces together. It's like you took everything out of my library that I studied and put it in one place, but brought a lot of testimonials and things that really brought it. Uh, right to reality, you know, there, there's too many of these. And, you know, I've, I've had these experiences many, many times myself, and I, I actually work in this, these realms. But Well, I just want your audience members to understand that volumes one and two are theoretical chapters, okay? Yes. And uh, volumes three and four, which we're working on, they're going to be chapters written by major experiencers of the contact modalities. So, like, I, I just had one chapter in uh, volume one, which is Dr. Melinda Greer. She's a retired medical doctor. She just recently retired. She's a pediatrician that worked in a hospital, saving the lives of hundreds of, of children throughout her, her life, okay? But she's one of the world's major contact experiencers. She's had two near-death experiences. She's seen 14 very up-close UFOs, all different. She's seen a whole array of physical beings. She's had hundreds of astral travel experiences for during all of her youth until she was like 12 years old. These are all teaching mechanisms. Uh, formal out-of-body experiences, uh, two of them, okay? Um, you name it, she's she's had it. There's one. Three Sasquatch experiences, two of them like right on top of you, okay, with Sasquatch. So there's literally hundreds of people like her out there, okay? So I use yeah. her as, a, as an example that here we can't just study the 14 UFOs that she's seen, okay? We need to study... Her entire spectrum. So what I what the reason why I did these books was because we are going to be embarking over the next five years on another formal, comprehensive, statistical, academic research study of the major experiencers of the contact modalities, uh, like Dr. Melinda Greer, like my friend Alberto uh, uh, Fernandez here in Miami, uh, Ruth Ann Friend, this elderly lady. She's like blue. Everybody in our documentary team away. And they were all experiencers. <laughs> and so she just like blew off the socks. And she finished it off by doing a psychic reading of, uh, of my wife, my, my daughter, and my father. You know, I mean, which came out with these intimate details that my father used to breed canaries as a hobby, you know. And she did it all by talking to her son, her deceased son, you know. So it was like mind-blowing people. And so what we want to be able to do is to study these people and to see the commonalities and the differences. When did their experiences start? Was it triggered by an NDE? How was it triggered? How did it develop? You know, tons of these things, you know, we want to be able to ask. So in order to introduce these concepts, people need to be informed of the concepts. Okay? So that's what the purpose of a greater reality was all about, is to prime the audience members for these major academic research studies that we're going to be undertaking over the next five to 10 years. What's the name of the documentary coming out so people can keep their eyes open for it? Yeah, the documentary is titled uh, A Greater Reality, One Man's Journey of Discovery. Good. Okay. And if people send me an email, I'll send them the trailer. 
Oh, good. Well, make sure For you send it to me. <laughs> yes, most definitely. It's it's a draft trailer. It's not a final trailer. That's okay. Um, but it's a draft trailer. But at least it'll give you a heads up of, of what the documentary is going to be all about. And when do you expect it'll be available? Uh, by the late fall. Oh, good. Hello. I hope you're enjoying the podcast. Though most people think the Czech Academy is only for health and medical professionals, we all know just how many people in the world today are struggling to care for their body and look and feel the way they want to. Sadly, body weight challenges, energy challenges, joint aches and pains, digestive and eliminative problems, illnesses, diseases, and mental-emotional imbalances continue to rise among the public worldwide. By now, you'd think that most people would have come to realize that running to doctors isn't working, and it's time to get involved in their own diet, exercise, lifestyle, and learn to create health instead of medicating chronic ailments. The Czech Academy is designed so that anyone can learn what they need to heal, balance, and create health and well-being, regardless of educational or professional background. In fact, several of my own patients over the years were so amazed at how much better they felt after implementing the changes I supported them in making that they decided they wanted to help others and changed careers and became Czech professionals. Year one of the Czech Academy is excellent for anyone who wants to learn to be their healthy best, and it offers how to eat, move, and be healthy, holistic lifestyle coach level one online, integrated movement science level one online, scientific core training, scientific back training, and program design. Year one graduates will be empowered to create their own health and fitness programs and inspire everyone in their lives with undeniable results. The Czech Academy is also a tremendous option for anyone looking to make a career transition, particularly because you can complete your studies and work full-time so that you don't have to take a hit in your income. Gavin Jennings, CEO of the Czech Institute, and I designed the Czech Academy in this way specifically so that each student got adequate hands-on training to really test what they were learning and be able to get questions answered by skilled instructors and mentors along the way. We are now accepting Academy fall semester applications. To submit your applications to the Czech Academy, go to chek.group forward slash L4 number 4D Academy. That's Czech C-H-E-K dot group forward slash L-4-D Academy. Anyone can get healthy and vital, and together we can definitely make the world a better, healthier place for the children and for our collective future. Now, the, ne the next question I want to ask you, because I think it's really important to the discussion, in your books there's places where you talk about what evil is or define it to some degree, um, we seem to be more exposed to evil in the public sphere at, at this time than any time I can remember in my life. I'll be 62 in August, so I've had time to be around. Um, could you share how you define evil and anything you feel people need to understand about evil if we're going to bring balance back to the world before we reach an ultimate crisis point? I was taught by one of these beings, okay, over a four-year period, a series of... Uh, of, of teachings, and I won't go into the details of, 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 of them and how it took place, that sort of thing. But um, I was shown that the nature of our reality is based upon a dualism, okay? And um, it was taught to me via the concept of entropy, which is a physics term, which, which it seeks to stabilize um, unbalanced forces, um, 
And so it went into a very, very detailed explanation, uh, you know, about Schrodinger's discussions of entropy and, and the evolution of entropy and, and, and into the whole spiritual aspects of entropy, which, you know, no one ever talks about, okay? And they said that these discussions of the dualistic forces not only apply to our physical reality, but also into the spirit, uh, spiritual world, okay? The spiritual arenas. And so, basically, to summarize, to be very, very brief here, uh, what I was uh, taught was that the opposite of love is evil. But they never used the word evil, okay? The, what they did say is that after he had given me this um, 90-minute lecture teaching about uh, dualism and entropy. And they said, uh, Ray, if I were to say this, you understand this reasonably well, because uh, he was very detailed, and it was a science-based approach, you know, uh, through entropy, okay? And, um, and again, the spiritual aspect of it as well. He says, but I'm explaining it. If I was to explain it to someone that just doesn't have your capability to understand these things. I would explain it as positive and negative, okay? Yin and yang, even good and evil, okay? Mm -hmm. And they explained it as like, you know, that's not what it is, but if I were to explain it to a normal person out there so they can begin to understand it. But basically what I was shown was that um, our lives here, the near-death experience has taught us that the most important lesson we have to master here is to learn how to love, okay? All the major NDE researchers said the same thing, okay, without a shadow of a doubt. And I mentioned that in my book. I use quotes from Raymond Moody uh, from his books, Dr. Jeffrey Long, uh, Dr. Bruce Grayson, Dr. Kenneth Ring. These are the four major NDE researchers. And they talked about the importance of love um, uh, in, in the NDE phenomenon. And so what I was told by this, this, ma this master that um, they said the very, very simplistic way to think about it uh, is the opposite of love. You can think of it as evil, but it's not the religious context of what people, you know, discuss evil to be, you know, the devil and, and all these things. It's, it's what it is, is that when we have a life review, you're being shown, you're not being judged in a life review. Okay, what you what's happening is you're being shown your decisions. The way I phrase our lives is that we have a pre-planned life of what lessons we're supposed to learn, who we're supposed to interact with, who we're to meet, who we are to divorce, who we're going to cuss out and, you know, and scream at, you know, uh, all of our dirty laundry is going to be coming out with certain people, you know, uh, yeah. and all the good things we've done in life. Okay. But what that is, the life review, is we're being shown our decisions. Were they wise decisions? Were they decisions that were based upon love, the mastering of the concept of love, okay? And when we didn't make that choice, when we went the opposite direction, okay, that we're being shown that too, okay? So that's how I don't use the word, you know, good and evil. I just use the word, you know, life choice decisions, because even though we have pre-planned events in our life, we have free will. We have the ability to ad-lib, okay? Mm -hmm. And that's where the decision aspects comes in from a life review. We're being shown how we ad-libbed, you know, how our free will developed. What are the choices that we make, okay? 
And so um, all that is is just a, our, our soul. Or in, I don't like to use the word soul, my preferred term. I, I borrowed the term from Tom Campbell, which I think is a much more appropriate term. And that is individuated unit of consciousness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I understand. I use the word soul because... They're so people person, can understand it, yeah. They, they, they at least know what I'm talking about. I, I, I simply define soul as consciousness within, period. Yeah, 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 yeah. And no, I, I defined those terms so people can understand what I'm talking about. But then I also interchanged the more appropriate term, individuated unit of consciousness. And so um, uh, that's, again, Tom Campbell's term, not, not my term. What, um, another term that I did uh, develop, which... Um, seeing that it's being used much more commonly now is the term the contact modalities. Uh, that term uh, uh, is now being used. For example, this man, Grant Cameron, uh, wrote a book. Uh, I forgot the exact term in it, but it used the word contact modalities. Okay? And he did give me credit for that term because what happened was that I wrote an article in 2013 in the Dr. Edgar Mitchell Free Foundation website titled um, The uh, Holographic Theory of Consciousness and the Contact Modalities. And then I defined, you know, what, what we're talking about, you know, and I defined those terms. So now this, these uh, two ladies form a podcast, and they use the term the contact modalities in, in the podcast. So I'm happy for that. Another term which I coined with the mind of God is the term CAP, Consciousness Aerial Phenomena. The reason for that is that when they use the term flying saucer or UFOs or unidentified aerial phenomena, it connotates a physicalism associated with it. Yeah. Okay. These things are nothing but physical. Okay. It's, they're much, much more complex, like our conversation that we've been having. So I said a more appropriate term is consciousness aerial phenomenon. People see it in the sky. Okay. They, and, but it's, it's consciousness. Okay. So, Call it CAP. Call it what it is. Okay. So I use that term not only in the mind of God, but in all of my books, uh, uh, the greater reality books, uh, CAP. So I, I think it's also important as, as you're transitioning um, towards this new understanding to also get rid of these old terms, you know, because they're not conveying what the phenomenon is all about. Interesting. There's a question that comes to my mind that I want to ask. It's not really what I was going to ask you next, but we'll get to the next one. You know, Jung wrote about UFOs, and his view was that they could potentially be projections of the unconscious, and Terence McKenna felt that that was a very likely possibility as well. How do you feel about that concept? Okay, the, the problem is that these individuals lacked the research field of near-death experiences. Uh-huh. Okay? If they would have deeply gone into the NDE literature, they would have said it's a little bit more complicated than just uh, uh, coming from our own consciousness because we are within a greater consciousness. And what would have, what would have given them that insight, both Terence McKenna and, and Jung, was the NDE phenomenon. If they would have studied that, they would have said that, look, you know, we are actually inside a greater consciousness. And yet, it's, it's symbiotic. It's not just um, 
unidimensional, okay? It's we're all linked with each other. I'm linked with you, you know, mm-hmm. we're all linked with each other. And so uh, uh, getting back, uh, I always revert back to the initial wisdoms, uh, teachings of the Upanishads. They're, they're, they, uh, there's this quote that I used. I just spoke at Rice University. It was a major academic conscious, uh, conference on consciousness and the paranormal. There wasn't too much of that that was taking place. <laughs> I, was one of, I was one of the few people that actually hit the nail on the head there. Yeah. Uh, but, um, but what I started off that was a quote from the Upanishads, okay, where um, uh, a lesson is being taught to Arjuna. And that was that our reality is not real. Mm-hmm. Okay? It's an illusion. Okay? It's, uh, it's much more complicated than, than what you're perceiving. perceiving. And so it was a, a short, you know, maybe one minute quote. But it's basically talking about the nature of our reality. It's not, it's not materialism. It's much, much more complicated. Okay? And it also talks about, uh, towards the end of that quote, about that humanity is not doing goodly deeds. It's not being loving. They're being self-destructive. And because of that, they're not able to waken up to see the nature of our reality. I wish I could uh, bring it up. I, I could bring it up quickly. If, if Well, if it's got Arjuna in it, it has to be the Bhagavad Gita you're referring to. Yeah, yeah, the Bhagavad Gita. Yes, yes. And, and I've but, studied but I, it many times. I, I want to get that particular quote because I think it's the most important quote in the entire book. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to hear it. Yeah, hold on a second, if, if you don't mind. Uh, well, you're looking for it. I'll just say, I, I, you must be aware that Jung did have an NDE. He'd, he had a heart attack and, and, and had an NDE, but I can't remember. Yes, if yes, I'm, I'm familiar with that. But, but we didn't have the NDE literature that went into the diversity of the details of these experiences. And um, so uh, that, that's the, um, you know... That, that's the, pr- the problem there. But, but anyway, because I think it's important for your audience members to, to listen to this because um, I think it's one of the most profound statements since the dawn of mankind, you know. Which, which of your books is it in? You know, I didn't use it in my books because what I did is I wanted to make something a little bit different for, um, uh, for the lecture at Rice University. And I knew that there were several scholars of uh, ancient uh, Indian traditions, um, and also Jeffrey's um, Mish, uh, not Mishlov, Jeffrey Cry, Doctor Jeffrey Kripal, who was organizing the conference. You need to read some of his materials. Um, there's an interview I, I did with him, uh, where he agrees with everything I stated, and um, and uh, he um, um, uh, he also uh, uh, talked about ancient. Um, Indian traditions and the the importance of it uh, in terms of consciousness. Is that where can I find the interview? You know, what I could do. I could send it to you. I could, he's also has one with Jeffrey Mishloff, an oh, excellent good. interview. What's Jeffrey the guy's Mishloff. name? Uh, Doctor Jeffrey Kripal, K R I P A L. I'll look it up, and and I'd love to see what your interview is too. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm, I'm going to look it up here. Let me, it's not recognizing my F drive. I, mean, I don't want to boot up again. But um, if I find it, I'll, I'll send it to you. And um, 
it's a, uh, uh, I think it's the most important quote in the entire uh, Bhagavad Gita uh, book uh, because it dwells right in into the nature of our reality. Yes. And it's very short and sweet. I have a feeling I've, have, I've, already, I've got a good idea of what it is. All right. Well, we, just for the listeners, Ray was trying to find a quote he wanted to share, but he couldn't find it. So we'll move forward. If he finds it, he'll let us know. Um, Ray, you know, I'd want to shift with the rest of the podcast. We can, we've been going for a while, so we can kind of encapsulate all this. Uh, you know, I, as you know, I wanted to talk to you about what Edgar Mitchell said in the quote that you gave in the book. So I'll read the first part of it here so we can talk about it. He says, all of creation must either perish or constantly evolve. There is no other alternative. The need to evolve is upon us once more. Indicators abound that time is running out on modern homo sapiens. Nature is losing patience with our unsustainable practices. The clarion call is unmistakable. Human beings must evolve or perish. We must swiftly evolve to the next level by eradicating pervasive ignorance concerning who we really are and why we are here or face extreme likelihood of mass death and destruction, if not extinction altogether. Humankind's next phase of evolution will be more an evolution in thought, knowledge, spirituality, and consciousness than one involving our biology or physiology. It will be likely it will likely be an evolution in consciousness triggered by research involving a dramatic change in perceptions, values, beliefs, attitudes, and a profound resultant shift in human behavior. As a consequence of this shift, the every man for himself paradigm fueled by greed will be supplanted for one for all and all for one unity. So I, I would just like if you could share. I mean, that's a pretty clear statement. What is it that you feel people can do right now in their lives to contribute to, shall we say, the solution to avoid an unnecessary string of catastrophes or massive catastrophe? I mean, yes, learning to love, but for a lot of people, that's just too general. So maybe could you share what you, you know, knowing that we have potentially 50,000 people listening to this of all walks of life, of all levels of spiritual development. Can you just share what you think is important for us in this regard? What we're talking about is almost an, an impossible task. You know, how well, do you, get, you know, you're a smart guy. <laughs> how, how do you get humanity to shift its, uh, its mindset, okay? And, yeah. um, well, I'll give you different approaches to it, okay? One is advanced meditators. Why most advanced meditators do it is so they can communicate with source. They could have this relationship with source, okay? Um, so a lot of people that do advanced meditation, um, all of a sudden they begin to have paranormal experiences or certainly out-of-body experiences, or they begin to hear voices. Uh, one is um, Dr. Um, Eben Alexander, the major NDE experiencer, professor of neurosurgery at Harvard. He had an NDE that changed him completely. And uh, his interview is in my book, okay? I think that's the best article about consciousness that's in my book. It's like 
by far. He goes into so much details uh, in that book. And he's also was interviewed extensively by me for our documentary. And so Eben, after his NDE experience, what happens? He began to meditate. And now he's discussing about our reality is filled, just like Dean Radin. He's also an advanced meditator. Both of them have said that our reality is filled with almost an infinite number of conscious sentient beings. It is, yeah. Okay? So these are two individuals that are like, you know, are geniuses, okay? And they both, um, their work is totally different, okay? But yet their main focus is what is consciousness? Yet they're both advanced meditators, okay? And they both have had communications via advanced meditation. Um, a, fr- a friend of mine who's part of the CCRI, he's a professor uh, of computers, a statistics professor, uh, information sciences, okay? And a friend of his invited him to um, a yoga class. They were going to be doing holotropic breathing, okay? Advanced breathing exercises, which are, you know, part of the ancient... Uh, Indian traditions, okay? And uh, Stanislav Graf used it because they uh, um, LSD became illegal. So he says, how can I get these people into an altered state of consciousness so I could be able to study them? Well, he discovered holotrophic breathing induces an altered state of consciousness. So that's what I recommend people. Google it, look it up. You'll go to a yoga place that involves holotropic breathing as part of uh, their, their, their procedures. And anyway, this friend of mine had been trying to conceive with his wife for like for five years, okay? All the doctors, all the fertility treatments, nothing, nothing happened. All of a sudden, uh, his friend invited him. He goes, I don't believe in that junk. That's crap. You know, I ain't going. Come on, what are you doing Saturday morning? I'm doing nothing. I'm just doing chores around the house. Come on with me. Come on, come on, come on. Okay, I'll go, but just to accompany you. But I'm not interested in this garbage. So anyway, he was doing the holotropic breathing. All of a sudden, he hears a voice. Raul, don't worry about your wife becoming pregnant. Within two weeks, your wife is going to tell you she's pregnant. Later, when you do the ultrasound, they didn't say ultrasound. Later on, you're going to find out that it's a girl. And later on, your wife is going to tell you to name the girl this name and gives him a name. So the man is freaking out. He stands up. He runs out of that place. He thought he was going insane. He, another voice talking to him. I know what that is because that's happened to me a lot, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, initially, you think you're going freaking crazy, you know? So anyway, he runs out. Within two weeks, row, row. I'm pregnant. I'm pregnant. Later on, when they get a sonogram, it's a girl. Later on, his wife goes to him, Raul, I've been thinking if it's a girl about giving her this name. What do you think? The same name he was told. So here you have this intelligence that's able to manipulate space time, okay? Because it knows what the future events are going to be. It's telling him a future events. And it's interacting with him. Okay? To major experiencers, this is common stuff. It's not like some crazy stuff. But here's the guy. He's a professor. He's got two PhDs that this happened to. Okay? So, and, and then he's now, he meditates all the time. And guess what happens? This intelligence pops into his conversations. And now he doesn't have to meditate. He just thinks about communicating 
and boom, he's back and forth to communication. So you think this guy can talk to anybody about these things? No, because it's not part of the standard jargon. He would be uh, losing his tenured position. He'd be forced to go to a psychiatrist taking advanced medicines, you know, uh, medications uh, for, for crazy people, you know. And so this is uh, cutting edge discussions that we're having now about the nature of our reality, okay? So one trick that I could, tool, I should say, a better word, that I could tell people, look, try meditation. Even better than that, try to do holotropic breathing with meditation. Another thing you could do is CE5. Uh, I like the, the better term, which is H-I-C-E, HICE, Human Initiated Contact Experiences. And that's where you go out, usually with a small group, to call down a UFO, okay? And you always have to go with someone that's already had success. You just can't go blind. You have to have someone that they, uh, it's commonly called an antenna, someone who brings it down. But once you've were able to call it down, then you your your antenna is open now. <laughs> then you have higher susceptibility of calling down in the future a UFO. Okay, and that that is commonly called CE five. Again, I don't like that term, but that's the only way that you could look it up on on Google that sort of thing. Yeah, if I've studied go, Stephen Greer's protocol. There is no protocol. Okay, and also that man's name. I won't even mention his name for reasons that we could talk off the air, you know. Oh, really? That'd be interesting. Oh, I'll have yeah, to talk yeah. to you about that. Oh, yeah, please. Uh, stay away from this guy you know, for numerous reasons. I, I have all the inside goods on this guy from all right, well, I need... direct sources, okay? Okay. And so anyway, um, before him, he borrowed these so-called protocols from Sixto Paz, okay, from Peru. Look it up, Sixto oh. Paz, Okay. One of my best friends is from Peru, started doing CE5 before I even heard of Sixto Paz in Peru. They were in the same neighborhood. Okay? And I could, later on, I could tell you the details of that story. And so it was the same thing that Greer took. He usurped it. He gave a fancy name, CE5. Okay? And Sixto Paz's protocols, he basically usurped. And that's just one little story about Stephen Greer. I could go on until midnight talking about this man, but but we don't do it. That's not the purpose of the show here. Uh, the purpose of the show is that this whole field is filled with shysters, you know, swindlers, snake oil salesmen, you know, uh, people have to understand that. They know it. If you follow the UFO field, that's what all of that is all, all, all about, you know. Um, mm. uh, that's why the books that I have, they're for free. You know, mm. the PDF copies of it, you know, this is meant yeah. to educate humanity, to inform humanity, to change who they are. So that's one thing. Again, summarize holotropic breathing, meditation, CE5. Another one is hallucinogens. All you need is a couple of uh, ayahuasca trips and you're talking to God. Uh, our book has two chapters. Uh, not, not the book. The book has one chapter. The website has two articles. Both One is a professor at the John Hopkins School of Medicine, one of the world's leading authorities on hallucinogens. Okay, uh, He wrote a book associating ayahuasca, LSD, and psilocybin with the near-death experience. Now, isn't that mind-blowing? Okay, How yes. you, you're using these hallucinogens is so similar to a near-death experience. Okay. Yeah. The other person who's a professor at the University of London, 
also a hallucinogenic researcher, okay, said the same thing. And his article is on our website. We couldn't fit it into our book because we uh, 820 pages was the maximum. We couldn't fit it in. So we had to take out two articles, okay, and they're both in our website. So again, associating hallucinogens with NDEs, okay? And that's the new frontier, you know, what I'm talking about, uh, discussing how all of these different experiences of contact with non-human intelligence that right now are being perceived as separate and distinct, why there is one phenomenon under consciousness. And again, that's what makes my work so important. And to me, it's like, duh, you know, it's, it's very obvious, you know. Um, but I, that's actually what I was taught in that out-of-body experience, which I didn't go into those details, but I was taught that while I was out-of-body. Hi, everybody. How'd you like to have more mellow in your life? Well, I know I could use some mellow, and I found a product called Mellow by Ned that actually really does mellow me out, make me feel damn good. And I want you to feel mellow and damn good. So to make sure you understand how to do that, I've got Adrian here from Ned, the creator of the product, to tell us why this product works so well. Adrian, thanks for making a great product. What's unique about it? Yeah, well, my pleasure, Paul. Um, as you know, magnesium is literally an essential mineral in the human body. It's the fourth most abundant mineral in the body, and it regulates over 300 critical functions, including our mood, our cardiovascular system, our cognitive function, our sleep, and generally just helping us perform. Meanwhile, according to WHO, nearly 75% of us don't get our recommended daily value of magnesium. And this is due to it being stripped from our food supply, things like monoculture and overprocessing of foods. So what that means is if our grandparents ate a carrot in 1940, they would have had four times as much magnesium as we get today. So that's why we got together with our expert team of scientists and formulators to craft the ultimate magnesium supplement that is highly efficacious, approachable, and super tasty. So it's crafted with three highly bioavailable magnesium chelates, one of which is sourced from the clean waters of the Irish Sea and includes a bunch of amazing trace minerals. And Mellow gives us 70% of our daily recommended value in a single serving. It's then supercharged with two vital amino acids, GABA and L-theanine, to further elevate our mood and our stress response. So all you really have to do to use it is simply add it to eight ounces of water, and then you get to enjoy calm days, restful nights, and, and really what it feels like is a balanced well-being. We have it available in three delicious flavors. It's sugar-free, it's non-GMO, and free of all the nasty stuff. So all you have to do is go to helloned.com and use the code CHECK, that's C-H-E-K, to get 15% off your first purchase. Plus, every order is backed by your 60-day stress-free guarantee. So if you're not totally in love with Mellow, which I'm pretty sure you will Me be. Me too. <laughs> we'll give you your money back, no questions asked. Yeah, just to, so you know, Ray, and so the listeners that may not be aware, most of them listening probably follow the podcast, but not too long ago, Shaman Hamilton Souther and I did a very comprehensive podcast, uh, basically a plant medicine user's guide. So we went through all the things you need to know to use them properly, what happens if you do it improperly, and everything that you need to know, because... Uh, in my career, I've probably had at least 50 or more people come to me that have been 
damaged or traumatized from doing stupid things. Or, oh, yeah, 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 definitely. If, you know, if you, yeah, yeah, no, I agree with you. It's right. Because I want people to be able to get the benefits of them without going backwards and doing stupid things and getting hurt and et cetera, I, I put this together with Hamilton Souther and we put a very comprehensive outline together. And, and I'm very, very experienced with plant medicines. I've probably at this point done over a thousand uh, ceremonies myself. Yeah. And, and, and as you know, this is an appropriate vehicle. Yes, if it's used appropriately. Communication, yes. If used appropriately under the right conditions, you know, uh, yeah. supervision, you know, assistance, help, you know, it, it's an important teaching uh, mechanism to communicate with source. And, yes. and as a result, these are self-reflective um, uh, tools, Med meditation, holotrophic breathing, uh, heist, you know, which leads to additional contact experiences because the UFO contact experience, what we discovered, is primarily a paranormal uh, phenomenon that once you've been exposed to UFOs, all of a sudden, like like the medical doctor and, and Ruth Ann... Uh, 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 our friend and, and Alberto Fernandez and countless of other people, uh, once you've had UFO contact, you're going to be having a diverse array of paranormal experiences, the vast majority of people, uh, to different degrees. But the most common one is an out-of-body experience um, because it seems like once you've had this, just like with plant medicines, you open up these portals. The way I like to illustrate it is that we live our life with concrete blocks, all around us and, and, and uh, surrounding us. And once you've had one of these paranormal contact modality experiences, all of a sudden we got sponge <laughs> that's enveloping yeah, us yeah. With, with holes. And all of a sudden you're able to get precognitive events. You're having all these paranormal experiences. You know, it just opens up so many doors. If you're doing now yoga and meditation, you're more pr prone to be able to get uh, uh, messages, uh, uh, to make it a much more worthwhile event. Why? Because your aura now is made of, of sponge with all these openings to these other fields, you know, to yes. these uh, uh, more uh, higher dimensional fields. You know, you're now susceptible to interacting with them. Yes. I I'll share a couple of things that I think would help people evolve uh, from the perspective of everything we're talking about, and they're just some of the practices that I use. One of them was taught to me many years ago by a woman who attended one of my advanced training programs, and I'm clairvoyant. And when she walked in the room, I was just stunned at her aura. It was just the most incredible aura I've ever seen. You know, the, the diagrams of the Merkaba? Yeah, um, I, I, I've had that. Um, how should I say, that power, that ability, that energy, shortly after that huge UFO, I was exposed to it. There was like a whole year whenever I met someone that's had an experience, I knew it. And then I would, I would engage with them, and all of a sudden, they would confirm it. You know, it was like 100% yes. hit rate. And then over the years, it's decreased, you know, um, uh, over the years, but still, occasionally, when I find someone that has that type of energy that you're talking about, yeah. I know it. It just it's radiates. Um, so uh, I've lost.
attract of, of, of minor events, people that might have seen a ghost or two or might have had one or two one or two OBEs, I used to be able to detect that, you know. Now those minor experiences I'm not able to detect. But if someone has had much more powerful experiences, it still comes through. So I don't see the aura. I get the feeling, the energy from the person. Yeah, well, she walked in the door. And I was just getting ready to teach this five-day training program in holistic lifestyle coaching. And she was from Singapore. And as soon as I looked at her, I saw a three-dimensional Merkaba structure that was this most amazing, almost clear light. It looked like I was looking at a diamond, like looking through a diamond. And it was so stunning. I put my stuff down. I walked over her to her, introduce myself to her. And I said, could I talk to you for a minute in my office? I have a couple of questions I want to. So I described what I was seeing. And she said, wow, nobody's ever told me that before. You're the first one to say that. I said, well, I've got to ask, what are you doing? Are you doing some kind of spiritual practice? Because you have got an aura that I would only see in a very evolved spiritual master. And she said, well, I'll show you. And she said, do you have any paper? And I said, yes, and I have this right on my wall, by the way, what she did for me. And so she wrote it down in her native language, which is a dialect of Chinese. And then she put translation. She says, my spiritual master that I've been working with for three years, this is his only practice. This is all we do. And it said in Chinese, use your heart to feel what you know. She said, all I do is I, whenever I'm, talking to people, when I'm making decisions about things, when people are upsetting me, I bring my consciousness to my heart and I let my heart guide me instead of my head. So she said, she said, Paul, I was just a normal everyday person like anybody else until three years ago. And all I've done is use my heart to feel what I know. So the fact that you're telling me what you see means something's happening. So it was quite almost like we were there to give each other a gift. Yeah, I, I think that everyone has the ability. What you need to do is to learn how to develop it. And what happened, she was exposed to someone that taught her about that ability and helped her to develop it. Uh, but this, these are things that um, ancient traditions used to pass down generation to generation. All the um, uh, aboriginal cultures around the world, whether it be European, African, South American, North American, Asian, whatever, they, they conducted themselves that way. You know, yes. that was part of life, part of their tradition to tap into, you know, consciousness, tap into the reality, to talk to trees, to talk to spirits, you know, yes. talk to the wind, you know, these are all separate conscious entities. So if you practice that as a young child, you know, tapping into your environment, imagine how you're going to be at the age of 40 or something like that. You're going to be right. a shaman. You're going to be a shaman. The point I'm offering to everybody is as a technique, just like we've talked about meditation and holotropic breathing, we can also remember each day, especially when we're making big decisions that Im impact the environment or impact other people's lives, use your heart to feel what you know. The other thing I would offer is, and I learned this from one of my friends who helped me develop my holistic lifestyle coaching program, a very skilled doctor, <clears throat> Dr. Cliff Oliver, who's also been on my podcast. He, he says, when you're in a situation where you need to make a decision or you're, you know, all the same types of situations we've been talking about, 
He says, ask the question, what would love do now? What would love do now if somebody runs into you? Or, yes, you that's get, getting back to our initial discussion about the importance of love. And then what's the opposite of love? You know, that's what we need to try to avoid. You know, and, and so, yes, these are all universal principles, Paul, as you know, you know. Yeah. And, um, and to me, as a late bloomer, <laughs> I guess, uh, how old was I? Um, I am uh, uh, almost 67 years old now. And this occurred in 2012. So this is 11 years ago. So it was 50, uh, 55, actually, when these things first started. So here I was 55 years of my life, totally clueless of these things. And what it was was that um, this, you know, universal consciousness put me on a fast track uh, to, do, to do the work that I'm doing because I haven't gotten into the details of these fast track mechanisms. <laughs> I just told you about uh, one example, which was um, how the Free Foundation got started in 50 hours after my out-of-body experiences. Yeah, no, it was and, great. And, and how I was introduced to each one of these different people, which culminated in me being in Edgar's home for six hours. And it was at the home of Edgar that he put all these thoughts into my mind of what I needed to do. And I, I was clueless. I, I thought this man was insane, you know, and like, like Rudy, you know, all the things that he was telling me. But these were like, you know, these are shamans, uh, both of these people, just like Mary Rodwell, uh, except uh, I uh, had no idea what, what they were talking about. Um, and so then I began these experiences, like me waking up and I had the whole Six pages of details of the research study. You know, it was like hundreds of these things, Paul. Like what I just told you. Hundreds yeah, of I these understand. things. These are orchestrated events. And and what I now know is that uh, without these orchestrated events, I couldn't even have gotten anywhere near these things. Just like the NDE phenomenon. Let me just tell you and your audience members very, very quickly how I was given spirituality. Okay. Let, let me introduce this thing. We can go into details of it. I, I realized afterwards, after these events, that I couldn't do the work that I'm doing if I was not spiritual. If I remained a total atheist, forget about it. This work was not achievable, okay? And so what had happened? The day after I had that contact with that huge object in the sky, that first uh, CAP, Consciousness Aerial Phenomenon, yeah. okay? The very next day, I saw a YouTube video on near-death experiences. The very first time I was ever exposed to NDEs, okay? All of a sudden, I was like blown away. It was like an, another atom bomb blew my brain. The whole night, I was listening to NDE testimonies, okay? To like, I forgot what it was, three in the morning or something like that. And then I spent like two hours going to Amazon. I ordered like 20 books on NDEs, all used books, okay? Some of them were like dirt cheap. Like, for example, Raymond Moody's books, you can get them pennies, you know? Yes, uh, yeah, they've been around a while. Uh, a long time, and, and he's had hundreds of thousands of them, you know. And so, and then what, what began after I started getting these books, I started four hours a day reading these NDE books. When there were five books left, 20 more books. Five books left, 20 more books. Five more, 20 more books. It started four hours a day. There was six hours a day, eight hours a day, 10 hours a day, 12 hours a day. Fast forward four months later, Okay. Towards these three days, December Friday, Friday, December 21st, 2012. Saturday, December 22nd, 2012. And Sunday, December 23rd, 2012. 
I've been written hundreds of NDE books. I never spoke to anybody about it. The only one that knew about it was my wife. And she thought I was insane, that I needed to go to a psychiatrist. I needed to take medications because I was going crazy. Okay? <laughs> no, no, that's, that's a God's honest truth. And I know. Then, it's just funny because that's what it's like when you live with somebody that doesn't understand this stuff. No, exactly. And so um, then all of a sudden, the very first three people I ever mentioned to, three days in a row, December 21st, which someone later, right? Do you know the significance of December 21st, 2012? You know, I said, no. He goes, that's the, the Mayan calendar, the, the, uh, the flipping of, of that date, which I still don't understand, to tell you the, the truth, you know. But uh, I was never into esoteric literature, and, um, and I never really bothered to take the time to really study it in depth like I should have. But that was the first day, Friday, December 21st, 2012. I, my daughter had a low-grade fever for two straight days, okay? My wife never worked during the 20 years of our marriage. Okay, so she always brought our daughter to the pediatrician, okay? So on that day, for whatever reason, she couldn't bring her, okay? So I brought her. And so the pediatrician, and she was from Colombia, where I'm going to be retiring, and um, we spoke in Spanish. She said, oh, you're Scott's father. I said, yes. He said, well, I've got some good news. Um, her temperature is normal. I checked her ear, nose, and throat. No sign of an infection. Maybe it was a virus, a 24-hour bug or 48-hour bug, you know, virus. And, uh, but she's fine. So all of a sudden, a robotic voice comes out of my mouth. Okay? Excuse me, doctor. Have you ever heard the term near-death experiences? I've just finished reading approximately 300 books on this topic, and it's a phenomenon that you need to know about. And many of the books were written by medical doctors such as yourself, right? And so as the voice came out, I was like, Holy shit, I am going crazy. My wife is right. <laughs> I am going insane. There's another voice inside of me, right? Yeah. So meanwhile, the medical doctor, her eyeballs are, you know, like like this. And I'm like, oh, my God, now this woman thinks I'm crazy, you know? I said, excuse me, doctor. I apologize. I don't know why I said that. And, she, and then she said, there's no need to apologize, okay? And the door was partially opened. So she walked all the way to the door. She closed the door. And with my 10-year-old daughter next to me, she began to tell me of her NDE. Wow. The details of her NDE. Okay. And I know the importance of it with my daughter next to me because my daughter has had other experiences as well. This part of her education, her training, the NDE stuff. Remember, she saw the huge UFO with me for close to an hour. So that was Friday. Saturday, it was a church social uh, dinner. Okay. Um, uh, were all the people that go to the Spanish Mass, and I had to go because of my wife, okay? Um, so I had to physically go to all these Spanish uh, um, Catholic church events. So there she sat next to a friend of hers, also Mexican, and her husband is Cuban, like I am, Cuban-American. We were both born in Cuba. So he tells me, oh, he came at this age. I told him I came at, at, at five years old. He came when he was uh, 12 years old or something like that. Excuse me, Max. Have you ever heard the term near-death experiences? I've just finished reading the You know, the same verbatim came out. And I said, Monday morning, I need to go to a shrink because there's another personality inside of me, you know? And, and I'm not well, you know? And so Max's eyeballs pop out. And so I said, holy shit, now this guy thinks I'm crazy now. And I said, Max, I'm sorry, man. I don't know why I said that. And this guy just met, you know, uh, for the first time. 
and he is an x-ray technician, an MRI guy. He takes MRIs and x-rays of people, you know. So I said, Max, I'm sorry, man. I don't know why I said that. He goes, Ray, I've never told this to anyone. But a year ago, my mother died in my arms, in my home, and she was clinically dead. She was not breathing. Her heart rate had stopped. I was giving her CPR. I called 911. And then uh, she was resuscitated on her way to the hospital by the EMS folks, okay? While she was at the hospital and I was allowed to see her, she told me she was floating above her dead body underneath her. And she said, Max, you told me this, you told me that, you told me that, you were crying on top of me, and you would tell me all these things. But mom, how do you know that? I already told you, I was floating above you. I was seeing and hearing everything. And they said, all of a sudden, this big, heavyset black man, like a football player, comes crashing through the door, followed by a short, blonde woman with a ponytail, a blonde ponytail. But mom, how do you know that? Those are the paramedics. And then... um. He then tells me all those details, okay? And then my mom just passed here. And um, so on Sunday, I came to my parents' home, and I said, I need to tell this to my father. Because he was like, besides me, the world's biggest atheist. He was like the, the Cuban Archie Bunker, you know? Uh-huh. And so I said, I need to tell him this. And so with my mother next to me, uh, we got him dressed. We walked him outside to the terrace, and I told him what happened on Friday, what happened on Saturday. He goes, ah. That happened to me. I go, what? <laughs> and then he began to tell me of the most profound NDE story I've ever read in any of the books. He said he was up there 20, 30 years. I said, what do you wow. mean 20 or 30 years? He says, that's how long it took God to show me all the good things I've done in my life and all the bad things. <laughs> okay. He said, there's, there's no good and evil. He said, God is pure love. There's no devil. I mean, time doesn't exist. He went on to tell me tons of stuff. And so... You know, I'm skipping over tons of stuff for the conversations, but basically, um, um, on the way home, that was when I first talked to God. Remember I told you about, with the statement, you know, uh, I talked to God and to these intermediaries, which I call modern angels, that are working with me, uh, which is which is God. It's still the mind of God, you know. Yeah. And, uh, and I said, uh, I want to thank you because in a four-month period, you totally managed to totally transform an atheist, materialist, rationalist into someone that doesn't have a belief. No, I don't have a belief. I know that I'm an eternal, I'm an eternal spiritual being. And I have that knowingness than any Catholic priest in Miami. And for that, I want to thank you. Okay? And so since that day, I've had that communication. And even more, you know? Like I told you, that intelligence that's communicating with me, you know? And so... Um, so I couldn't do the work that I'm doing without that spiritual basis. You know, it's all about it's all about spirituality. It is. I'm going to ask you one short final question. If you knew you were going to leave the world tomorrow and you could get a message to the world right now, what would it be? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> um, you need to learn how to love. Yeah. Thank that's you. The, that's the bottom line. Yeah. Well, I've really enjoyed it, Ray. I'm going to uh, keep the door open. I already sent you some ideas for our next podcast so we can work on that together. I'd, I'd love to be able to help people understand these things more deeply. And I hope many people buy your books and or go to your website and read them for free, whatever. Uh, I like buying things from people like you because I like to make sure you get some 
money for your effort. Oh, it's just chump change. It's, it's not about making money, you know. It's yeah, about well, it's e- just, educating humanity. It's it's love is a boomerang though. And 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 thank you for purchasing the books. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I believe love is a boomerang. Yeah, I, I I acknowledge. I mean, I've written eleven books. I'm writing a six volume set right now. So when I pick up books like that, I go, this guy did a hell of a lot of freaking work. And even if I could get them for free, I'd want to support you. And that's why I wanted you on the podcast to help support you and support everybody else. As you know, Paul, these are not simple uh, topics, simplistic topics. These are um, quite difficult uh, for uh, the non-believer, the non-experiencer to truly understand just how profound these topics are. Yeah, just maybe we can close with you letting people once again know where your website, what your website is, and maybe your contact if anybody wants to talk to you about their experiences or they think they need to talk to you. Thank you. Our website where um, all of our books are available uh, to be uploaded as PDF files is titled agreaterreality.com. If people need to reach out to me, I'm always available. I answer questions from individuals, um, a lot of experiences like myself. The email is info, I-N-F-O, at agreaterreality.com. Thank you very much, Ray. I'm definitely looking forward to more podcasts together, and I hope you're interested in doing that. We'll have lots of fun and help people as much as we can. And thank you to my sponsors for all the amazing products you guys produce and your sustainable practices and adding love and wholeness back into the world. And thank you to all of you listening. I hope you guys really enjoyed the podcast and feel more inspired to use your heart to feel what you know than ever and inspire others to hold hands, connect, and grow together. Um, I think we have important work to do together. So I'm looking forward to bringing you another amazing podcast as soon as I can. So, Ray, thanks once again. Lots of love. You're very welcome, and thank you very much. This is a a great conversation, very important. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Living 4D with Paul Check and today's guest, Renario Hernandez. You can find Ray and the Consciousness and Contact Research Institute online at agreaterreality.com. There, you can browse and purchase Ray's books, read articles, and join the CCRI mailing list. Catch up with Paul on Instagram, TikTok, and threads at paul.check, on Twitter at paulcheck, or on his YouTube podcast channel, youtube.com forward slash living4d with Paul Check. Watch more on Paul's blog at paulchecksblog.com or visit the Czech Institute site at checkinstitute.com to find Paul's e-learning courses, advanced training programs, and to learn more about the Czech Academy. You can read the show notes and find links to all the resources mentioned in this episode at checkinstitute.com forward slash podcast. This podcast would not be possible without the support of our premier sponsors, Bioptimizers, Paleo Valley and Organifi, and our newest sponsors, Ned and Wild Pastures. Please show your appreciation by taking advantage of their special discounts for listeners. The links are in the show notes. And finally, if you enjoyed today's episode, please consider leaving us a five-star rating and a warm review on the podcast platform of your choice. This podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Amazon Music, Audible, Google Podcasts, and YouTube.